And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, I forgot to put our logo up at the beginning. Oh, well, got to see me for a little bit. Welcome into our first Sunday show of the 2015 season. Usually that is something we do in January. Not the case this year. We have added Sunday shows to the Hoopsville lineup for for November and December. Yes, we will continue them all the way through the end of the season. We won't be on absolutely every Sunday. Um, As I start this show, my instinct is to say that we won't be on the air next week due to the Hoopsville Classic. We'll be doing a ton of interviews at the Hoopsville Classic. We may take the 22nd off. That being said, the 29th is certainly tempting because it's Thanksgiving weekend to take off. But at the same time, we don't have as much going on that weekend, so there's an outside chance. Uh, We'll make that decision maybe by the end of the show or early uh, this week coming on when our next Sunday show will be. After that, we'll be on the air every Sunday through December 20th. Then we will take a break for the holidays and be back on the air uh, two weeks later to restart uh, Hoopsville. So we were going to have about a three and a half week break, I think, on Hoopsville if we didn't start Sundays. The last show we could have possibly done was Thursday the 10th due to the Gallardi and Stag Bowl responsibilities that I have. Hard to do Hoopsville in the middle of that. I might have had to pre-record some things. And long story short, that would have been December 10th. The next time we'd have been in the air was January 3rd. So three, three and a half weeks. So we've added the Sunday shows. We want to get a little bit more momentum. Want to not miss some things that are going on this season uh, or any season in particular. We feel like we don't get enough covered in uh, the beginning of the year on Thursday. So chat with the football guys. And despite today being a major football day, uh, we are on the air nonetheless. Uh, the brackets have come out. Um, and we certainly um, know the excitement that surrounds that. Um, but thanks to everybody, we are on the air here with basketball. Um, so hope you are going to enjoy the show. Lots to cover. If you're not listening to us live, you are listening to us on our podcast. We certainly appreciate you doing that. Obviously, the show is uh, archivable uh, on demand on video and on audio. The audio is available on SoundCloud, but we thank you nonetheless. Again, Sunday shows here for Hoopsville between now and the end of uh, 2015, and then we'll restart in 2016 as well. So something new this year, more programs to give everybody a chance to to follow Division Three basketball a little bit better, and we hope you get to enjoy them along the way. Have a lot to cover here uh, tonight. We have some upsets to talk about. We may or may not get Ryan Scott on the air here in um, a matter of, uh, or later in the program. He went to the Wesley game Late today, Virginia Wesley, number two team, loses to Wesley, who comes from 15 down to win that game. Wesley, with a new coach, has lost some talent. I don't think a lot of people expected them to make some waves this year. They've already made a wave, beating Virginia Wesley. By the way, Virginia Wesley has lost to Wesley on other occasions. Now to better Wesley teams. But this is the trend. We have seen a few, quite a few, Division Three teams lose to start the season. And I said this in my Top 25 blog. I think I said it in the last show. The parity in Division Three has gotten deeper and deeper in the last few years. And this year, it certainly seemed like it was going to be very deep. And I think we've already started to see that with some of the upsets. Now, the upsets are twofold here. Partly the upsets are because you do have the parity and you've got these teams that are don't look like on paper should line up. But I think in reality, you've got better teams than you expect. Um, what happened with the Wesley, Virginia Wesley game, that, that's not necessarily going to fit that mold. The other reason is teams may be highly ranked who maybe don't deserve to be highly ranked or don't feel like they should be highly ranked, but they're highly ranked because, geez, it's chaotic. It's nuts. It's cray-cray. 
to to use a local you know more not modern slang but it's it's, it's so is Virginia Wesleyan really the second best team in the country? Is Whitworth really the third best team in the country? Is Catholic really the sixth best team? Mount Union the seventh best? I, I don't know. I, when I voted, I had some of those teams that high and some of them I didn't. And now they've lost. And not all the teams I mentioned lost, by the way. I'm just saying the teams that have lost have lost. So the question is, is that because they're too high ranked or is it because of parity? I think it's a combination of both. And I don't know if the teams are too highly ranked. I think they're top 25 teams, but maybe they didn't need to be that high. I don't know. It's it's wide open this year, and I think it's a little on the crazy side. And I think, and I said this to Pat off air um, a, a little while ago, um, I think, personally, this is going to be what we see um, the rest of the season. We're going to see craziness the rest of the season, bar none. It's just going to be what happens. Um, especially on the men's side. Let's look at the men's side. Back on the 13th, nothing major. Augustana rolled through lacrosse, uh, 88-60. A lot of people said they watched that game. Pretty impressed. Whitworth will talk to their head coach coming up. Uh, snuck past Laverne in a midnight game out there on the West Coast. Uh, Babson had a somewhat easy game, though low scoring. Marietta had an easy game. WPI upset Eastern Connecticut on the first game of the season, 60-50. to Rather low scoring, especially... For an, an econ team like that, um, Emory had a little bit more of a battle with Piedmont than maybe they expected to have. Uh, those are just the ranked teams. There was a whole mess of games. We could go through all of them if we have to. Uh, Catholic had a bit of a battle with Newman, only beat him by 11 on the 14th. Uh, St. Thomas had uh, a 14-point win over Eau Claire. Mount Union got thumped by William Patterson. I voted for William Patterson in my top 25. I think they're going to be good, if not the class of the NJAC this year. I think Richard Stockton, them, maybe Ramapo are going to be in the run. There's another team in the NJAC I feel like I'm missing that I'm not putting my finger on. I'm one of the Rutgers teams. I think the NJAC's going to be a great battle. I think William Patterson's a very good team. Mount Union losing by 22 is a surprise. That's a big... I don't know if Mount Union just wasn't ready or what. But again, that also might be Mount Union's a little too high ranked at 7. But still an upset there. 100-78, William Patterson gets the win. Um, Stevens Point barely snuck past Superior in a matchup of former conference opponents. Uh, Babson had an easier time of it the next night. Uh, Ohio Wesleyan barely got past Otterbein. Uh, Eastern Connecticut rallied to finally win against Western New England. Chicago, I watched the end of the Chicago North Park game. Lost, watched the last eight minutes of that game. Um, I'm not going to exactly say North Park won that game. I was impressed with North, North Park, but I was also... Chicago looked a little out of sorts, especially at the end. Made a couple mistakes as they were rallying. Looked like they could get past North Park, then made a couple of untimely mistakes and lost that game. Um, hats off to North Park. Great win. I don't know what that means for Chicago. I don't think Chicago's a bad team. I don't think North Park's that good, but another upset. And I don't mean to say North Park's not that good. I mean, they're not number 15 in the country. You know, Chicago's number 17. So it's not like North Park's 15. Interesting opening the season. I, I just wonder if teams struggled. Dickinson lost to Cabrini. Let's be honest. Cabrini's without Aaron Walton Moss. Yes, they bring back a ton of players who were freshmen last year. They got experience. But this is a young team. Dickinson, did they lose more than we thought they lost, maybe? Did, did Was Wixit really that big a, a key and a cog? Or does Alan Soretti have this team really in okay shape? By the way, you know, Dickinson will be at the Hoopsville Classic. One of their opponents is Stevenson. Stevenson on Friday lost to York. York was 5-20 last season. 
Not sure what happened there. It's We've seen some incredibly crazy results. Benedictine wins on a buzzer beater against Illinois Wesleyan. If I can find the link, I will play it for you. Um, crazy. Uh, just nuts. It just not results that we expected to see this season. And, and I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm not sure if this means that we're over betting on some teams or under betting on others. Maybe some teams are, are, are better than we think. Other teams aren't as good as we think. Maybe even, maybe even more than that. It's just that parity has made things a little bit more wide open and teams are a little bit unsettled to start the season. I will try and find this link. Forgive me as I quickly look for it. I saw it earlier. Heck of a buzzer beater, by the way. Off-balance rebound scenario and nailed it. Really impressive, to say the least. Um, looking for it, just forgive me. I saw it earlier. I knew I should have made a, a mental note and held on to the held on to the link, but I thought I could find it rather easily. And it, it's turning out I am dead wrong as I continue to look for it. But, you know, that's that's what we've seen. This is just on the men's side. Women's side it seems to have been a little bit more steady, a little less chaotic maybe. Um but I'm not positive. I'm I'm just scanning here, and I'm I'm unfortunately. Oh, there it is. All right, let's see if we can call this up for you. Um, this is the Benedictine um, Illinois Wesleyan finish. Uh, we'll call it up, and uh, here we go. Did you see it? Let's see it again. Watch the ending again. Now rolls to the basket. Dotson forces up a shot. No good. And Johnson gets the rebound. Puts it in. From his hip. From his hip. He threw that up from his hip. And Benedictine beats Illinois Wesleyan. So, you know, unbelievable. And, and that's what we're going to probably see a lot of this season. Uh, I suspect we're going to get quite a bit of parity this year. It's just how it's going to break down. Um, but really, uh, unbelievable finish there. And again, lots of results like that. We'll probably talk about some more. We'll maybe get a chance to talk about the Virginia Wesley and Wesley game later, depending on some timing and stuff, but we'll see. Um, our guest tonight, uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, let's get through him. Matt Logie from number three Whitworth will be coming up here shortly. Also talk to Ted Riverso, uh, River, I apologize, um, from Augsburg, new women's coach there. Team uh, makes the MIAC playoffs for the first time last year. Their coach unfortunately dies of kidney cancer in late August. Uh, Ted is hired uh, mid-September, a friend of Bill McKee's, the former coach. We'll talk to Ted about taking over the program, what he expects, how long he expects to be there. And what, what he thinks this program can do. And the transition. How difficult this transition is. Maybe not totally difficult, but just the challenges that they face. Also talk to Brooklyn men's basketball coach. Beat Case Western Reserve. You beat a UAA team, you're on good step no matter where they stand. They come out of the Case Western Reserve tournament, which I had my eye on because my alma mater was there. They come out of that with two wins. Um, and they're going to a bunch of tournaments this year. I, it looks like they've decided to step up their out-of-conference more than maybe people realize. And I think Brooklyn might be a sleeper in the Atlantic. I could be wrong, but that's my feeling. There's just this gut feeling tells me Brooklyn's 
worth watching. We'll talk to their head coach coming up. And another good team made a coaching change in the offseason. We'll talk to UT Tyler women's basketball coach coming up here on the show. Former All-American at Hardin-Simmons taking over UT Tyler, who has certainly been NCAA-bound quite a bit recently. We'll talk to her about the team and their chances. Also coming up, we'll talk Great Lakes basketball. Uh, the man who has his own podcast about Great Lakes basketball, uh, Ryan Whitnable, will join me talk about the men's side of the Great Lakes. And again, we may hear from Ryan Scott about the Virginia Wesleyan Wesley game. We'll see if our schedules can coordinate to get him on the show. Going to take a break, but before we take the break, one more piece of video I want to show. We mentioned on Thursday's show that this weekend, uh, Hiram and Mount St. Joe women were going to get together, play once again and again at um, Xavier as part of a, a series of games in honor of Lauren Hill at Xavier. And you remember the wonderful moment last year where uh, Lauren Hill hit the opening shot with these two teams. Incredible moment to start the game for them. Definitely worth seeing uh, from their point of view. And here it is. Great moment to say the least. Passed down to the post where Lauren was, put the ball down where she was, and circled the ball. Terrific, terrific moment there at Xavier. And hats off to Mount St. Joseph and Hiram. Yet again, showing the class that Division Three students are. Going to take a break. When we come back, Matt Logie joins us from Whitworth. Don't forget, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Emails hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Matt Logie coming up. Ted Riveroso from August or Augsburg will come up as well. That's all I had just this hour. We, of course, have the uh, Brooklyn UT Tyler head coaches along with a report from the Great Lakes. It's all coming up here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student-athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely 
put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the first Sunday show of the season. Obviously, we don't normally do these until January, but new for the 2015-16 season and our 13th on the air for the entire season, 16th in totality. Um, we have added Sunday shows to November and December. We didn't want to step on football's toes. Of course, we're kind of stepping on football's toes this year. Uh, there's a lot going on in football tonight, but we appreciate you taking the time to at least enjoy the show live. If you're not and you're watching it on the podcast, uh, or on demand on YouTube, we certainly appreciate you taking the time to do that. We realize that being that it's a busy Sunday in, in NCAA Division III, that um, that watching this on another time is certainly uh, probably a better option. So thank you nonetheless. Have a lot ahead, obviously. We're going to be talking to several more coaches uh, around the country. Um, and we look forward to having you on the show with us as we work our way along. You can always interact with us, ask us questions, suggest coaches to us if you want. You can always do that on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, or use the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Uh, our first guest tonight, we're going to jump out to the West Coast, an area I got to finally visit recently. Not as Not where this school is, but up in that area. Beautiful part of the country. I look forward to going back for some basketball in my future. But nonetheless, we're going to talk to a team who is pretty highly ranked in the top 25, maybe higher than anybody anticipated, including themselves. But let's get a, let's get word from them first. Uh, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, the number three ranked preseason poll, Whitworth Pirates, and Coach Matt Logie joins me on the show. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. First and foremost, uh, highest ranking ever for Whitworth in the preseason polls. What was your reaction when the poll came out? Well, I think, uh, you know, with with what we had coming back this year uh, from last year's team, four, four starters in the backcourt and, um, and most of our bench, um, you know, we expected to to have a great team this year, and, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, hopefully – uh, living up to those high expectations, but uh, we weren't, you know, weren't shocked. But um, certainly, it's uh, you know, it's, it's certainly uh, an exciting thing for our uh, program and our school to uh, to get that respect nationally. Um, certainly, Whitworth is synonymous with winning. Um, before you and with you, you guys have been winning. You're 118 in your four seasons now. 101. And 18, thanks to a win against Laverne to start the season. We'll talk about that game in a minute. You know, when it comes to Whitworth, you guys are expected to win. But you guys, for for many reasons, have just fallen short of that goal of getting to Salem. Whether it be because, you know, you are in the Northwest, which requires you to do just a little bit more travel. Or because of the way the tournament's set up, you're bound to run into a juggernaut at some point in time. I know you had hopes to get there in 2013, and the juggernaut turned out to be unranked Mary Harden-Baylor, which got all the way to the championship game. Is that a frustration, or is that just a you know we understand our situation? We got to take advantage of those when they come along. Well, I mean, I think each year is a, a different journey. Um, we've had some really good basketball teams here that uh, are certainly um, you know Final Four caliber teams, um, but getting to Salem, getting to the, the Final Four is not 
not an easy thing to do. Uh, the road that we have to take is, is different than uh, the road that a lot of other schools, um, you know, take, and uh, that's just the way it is. So um, it, the frustrating thing is how close we've been to advancing. You know, the last two years we've lost by one point, um, you know, on the road in the NCAA tournament second round, and, um, you know, we, we feel like we've we've ne- never been that far away. We just haven't quite um, – you know, haven't quite done it yet. So uh, it's something that uh, our guys are excited to to take on as a challenge. Um, you know, they, they, this group in particular was all brought to Whitworth with dreams of a national championship and and, and playing for a final. You know, playing in a final four, and, um, and 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 they're working hard towards those goals. Before we get to the schedule, let's talk about the group. As you mentioned, you've got a lot of upperclassmen on this one, as you say, kind of built towards this season. Uh, in many ways, um, you've got what five seniors I've got on this, plus a whole host of juniors behind them. Four or five is that as well. Certainly have the experience on this squad. Is this a Salem or bust type of season? Well, I mean, I think obviously at our level, uh, there's a whole lot of different um, ways to evaluate success and, and and why we do what we do. Um, you know, I, our goal every year is to win the Northwest Conference and, and get into the tournament. Um, you know, we do set set a goal um, to to win a national championship once we're into the NCAA tournament. I don't think uh, you know there's there's anything um, you know that that says we can't do that. Um, it's possible, um, but uh, to say that our season would be a failure if we didn't accomplish that I wouldn't be accurate either. So you know, it's just one of those things you, you got to focus on the process, especially at this point in the year early on, and um, you know, try to build a team that's capable of. Of, of living up to their uh, potential and, and, and reaching um, those you know those types of uh, ceilings. And probably the reason you guys got so so high an, uh, an expectation this year is because you bring back your three big juggernauts in scoring: uh, Christian Jerlina, Kenny Love, which is on the all D three Hoops dot com Classic All <laughs> Name Team, uh, and George Vale. I mean, fourteen point eight from Jerlina, Love at 12 points, and Vale from 11.3 just last season. They all come back, as you said, plus everybody else practically on this squad. Lots of experience, but I find it interesting when I look at your out-of-conference schedule, um, it, it seems like you kind of have a mix of you're stuck in the Northwest, so you take what you can get, along with some um, familiar foes, and then testing yourself just a little bit. It seems like a, a little bit of a mix this year. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, it's, uh, it's our senior is George Valley. Uh, Valley, thank you. In terms you. of pronunciation, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our group of, of veterans, um, you know, they played a lot together. We also have a senior starting point guard, Matt Stoddicker, who, who joined our program last year, so he's entering year two. Um, so we do have a lot of continuity in the backcourt, which is uh, which is always nice. Um, in terms of our schedule, you know, we, we're constantly trying to, to put the best schedule we can together, um, the most competitive schedule that we can. I think our uh, program and our, our university has done a great job of um, allowing us to, to go out and play play the types of games that, that we can when those opportunities arise, like, like the D3 Hoops Classic and getting a chance to play uh, schools like Mary Hart and Baylor and Calvin again. Um, Colorado College is one of the better programs in their conference. We're going to play them twice. And then, um, you know, we try to try to pick up uh you know a little bit of um all the conferences in the west region so we've got uh we've got hamline and we've got uh, a couple of the sky schools but 
um, you, you know, you're somewhat right in, in the fact that, you know, we we, we kind of get what we get. You know, people that, that want to travel out uh, to the West Coast and take a trip, um, you know, some years that, that's St. Thomas and some years it's, it's not. So uh, we don't always have the same type of control over our strength of schedule. Um, and even even in some regards, you know, uh, last year I thought we had a, a really good schedule on paper, and then some of the um, some of the non-conference teams that that uh, that we scheduled, um, you know, themselves scheduled really hard schedules. Uh, Trinity, you know, for one, had been yeah. a perennial NCAA tournament team, and um, you know, just uh, kind of hit a down year, and, and in that down year, also happened to have one of the hardest non-conference schedules I've ever seen. So. Um, you know, we can't control everything that goes into that, um, but we we do our best. When you look at this out of conference, you, you talk about Laverne. Of course, Laverne, you guys started this thing. Listen, you guys are known for your midnight madnesses in some cases uh, for preseason. You did double down and did a midnight game with Laverne. Uh, I, I'd just love to know what the what the atmosphere was like and what what that experience was like. Well, it was a great atmosphere. We had uh, we had about a thousand students in the building and. Um, and they were they were excited. We had coffee and donuts for everybody, and uh, ha, you know got a lot of publicity um, here here in Spokane. A bunch of the uh, the news stations did their their nightly newscast from from the field house, and nice. uh, just cre- created a really neat environment. Uh, it was a lot of fun to kick off the the season that way, and and uh, the, you know to be able to um, to be the first West Coast team on the court in action, and and uh, to see the way our students rallied and, and supported it was uh, was pretty cool. Yeah, you beat them 87-80, probably in a tougher game than you may have expected. Maybe playing at midnight has something to do with that. Of course, you got Caltech coming up. They just beat Occidental uh, yesterday um, to get uh, to take the lead in the conference, believe it or not, uh, early on in the season. So, you know, they may not be as much of an, and I don't mean this derogatorily, but a cakewalk like they normally been. They've been progressively getting better. You mentioned about Hamline. You mentioned playing Colorado College twice. That's before we even get to the the d3hoops.com classic of course you also have a game against Millsaps in there and we know Millsaps is trying to improve their strength of schedules as well so an interesting kind of mix of teams in there as we talked about uh is the Colorado College doubleheader just because you know what you just couldn't find that other game uh that that kind of happened from uh from the result of a, a return game that the Colorado College owed uh one of our one of our conference opponents George Fox George Fox went out to their tournament last year and so Colorado was going out there this year, and uh, we were looking for three games at that point uh, when we were figuring out our schedule. Um, and since they were going to be in our region and we could travel um, over to Portland to to kind of fill in that tournament for George Fox, um, it, it just kind of worked out. So uh, one great thing about, you know, being isolated is, uh, you know, all the conference schools out here, um, you know, work together to try try to help each other out and and um, you know get as many games as we can. I noticed um, uh, as we talked last uh, Thursday with Augustana's head coach Greg Giovanni, he's making a West Coast swing. I noticed he's avoiding you though. He figured he played enough top ranked teams in his schedule. He just he, Whitworth wasn't on his schedule. I, I I told him that might be a good thing. Yeah, I actually reached out to to Greg when I heard that they were uh, with the, they were coming out to see if they. Um, did need a you know another game as a part of their trip and uh, they were full at that time. But uh, obviously they've got a great a great team coming back. We would have loved to, to have the opportunity to, to play them in in, uh, in the Northwest and um, you know if we're fortunate enough to to get into the NCAA tournament and and uh, you know in advance. 
uh, you know, maybe there'll be a, an opportunity down the road. Of course, you're going to be heading to the Hoopsville Classic. I'm sorry, the D3Hoops.com Classic. i got both of them on my mind right now. Um, at the South Point Arena in Las Vegas, you'll take on Calvin. You'll take on Mary Harden-Baylor. I believe that'll be Mary Harden-Baylor's third game in four days um, as they picked up an extra game out there due to their schedule as well. How do you, pre- I mean, how do you prepare for that event? I mean, it's not like you're not familiar with that event, but how do you... How do you get the guys ready for that event when you're going to play some some pretty top-notch squads there, even if they're not preseason ranked, even if maybe they're not having the best of seasons or they're flying under the radar? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to, a lot of basketball to be played between now and then, and um, you know, I just know from uh, from our experience, you know, playing Mary Harden Baylor a couple of years ago, playing Calvin in my first year in 2012, um, that those are really good programs, and so. Um, you know that was exactly who we wanted to play when we signed up for that event. Um, you know, I, I think uh, one of the one of the things that we like about uh, about events like that is is the back to back setup is um, very consistent with you know w- the way we play our conference games. And so, um, you know, from that standpoint, it's a good it's a good test to you know to simulate you know what it's like going to Tacoma and playing UPS and PLU on a, on a back to back, or going to Portland and playing. Lewis and Clark and um, and Pacific, so um, you know that that's part of the reason that those things are valuable as well. well again, of course, the conference uh, is up for grabs. You guys clearly are the favorite in the conference. Uh, last year, only had one loss. You were a game ahead of Whitman, who certainly was nip and tuck with you guys at twenty and six overall in the season. Lewis and Clark was in the mix. Willamette, et cetera. Uh, what do you expect from the conference this season? Well, the conference returns a lot. I think this will be one of the stronger years um, on the whole in terms of the depth of of uh, teams and caliber um, that you'll see out there. Whitman has had uh, a lot of success as of late, and and um, and and you know are always a always a tough game for us as far as the, the rivalry is concerned. Um, you know, Lewis and Clark and uh and denari have, have been in the conference championship game now two of the last four years i believe or last year and then we played them in the conference tournament uh the other three years in the semifinals so they're consistently you know towards the top of the conference and uh return a great deal from last year's team um who we played in the conference championship uh, then you've got you know you've got ups and willamette um uh, willamette returns a, a lot of guys from their conference tournament team last year and ups is in the conference tournament every year um, that I've been here since you know since 2012, except for last year. So um, I think the, the the conference at the top is really strong, um, but uh, you know we're excited about what we've got, and uh, hopefully uh, you know hopefully we can continue to, to improve and prepare ourselves for another run. And of course, had some changes in the last few years. Obviously, Linfield changing head coaches is a turn that they may be taking on the men's program. Uh, just a little bit more seriously this year as well, of course. Um, Coach, I know you know that it is what you guys can do out there. The women on the other side certainly have gotten a lot of attention in the sense of the conference. George Fox certainly getting all the way to the championship game and has gotten there a few times. Granted, having a few more teams in conference has allowed at least some of the NCAA tournament to be played out on the on the Northwest Coast. Is there a sense on the men's side that you know we'd like to improve things to give ourselves those chances? Does is there a sense of hey, how can we as a group do better? Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know that that's something that uh, you know that our conference can can control. To be honest, um, you know, at the same token, 
um, if you're, you know, if you if you are getting more conference uh, schools into the NCAA tournament, you're just going to end up playing them in the first round anyway. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't really matter. You're just having another conference tournament. Um, so, <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind going on the road, but I'm also uh, aware enough of of what that means. You, you know, when you look at the Ken Palm statistics for Division One, it's you know a, a home game is worth about five points. And um, you know, I, I don't think there's really any argument to the advantage that that creates um, for for teams when you're talking about a national tournament. Uh, I, I wish personally that the national tournament would be played at neutral sites, uh, like they do in baseball and, and and soccer and some of the other Division Three sports, where um, they take a little bit of the cost uh, out of it uh, in terms of you know trying to get their money back with ticket sales and and, and try to have a true national championship tournament um that, that is a little bit more neutral base um as the other divisions are um but that being said it, it is what it is and and our guys uh embrace that challenge and, and we want to uh we want to do it the hard way well i certainly look forward to seeing what the season is for you guys i'm really looking forward to seeing you guys in las vegas coming up between christmas and new year's as well and then obviously conference action will be the uh, focal point after that uh, as uh, and I, I assume you're glad the season's already tipped off. It certainly felt like it was coming for a while. Quick question before we let you go, though, is obviously some rule changes into the season. You've played one game. Don't know how many of them really became factors. But how have you guys adjusted to the 30-second shot clock, the new 10-second back rule, and, and any of the other uh, twists and turns that the men have put in place? Uh, to be honest, I haven't noticed that, that great of a change thus far. Um, you know, we uh, we've never really played late into the shot clock on offense. Um, so that hasn't really affected us in any way, shape, or form. We like to get out in transition and, and attack, um, you know, right away. And so uh, we haven't noticed that as much. I think you will see uh, you'll see some teams employ more three-quarter court zones and, and some, some slow-down tactics um, to try to, to get that shot clock down around 20 when the, when the ball kind of gets into offense. But, um you know, I think it's overall, uh, in terms of the way it's going to be officiated and the hand checks and freedom of movement, I think that's good for the game. Um, I think the, the the game of basketball is designed to have flow and pace and, and movement. Um, and so I'm excited about that aspect of it. Um, I think one of the things that they'll clean up the most that I've seen a little bit improvement on is, is just the, the out-of-control offensive drives. Uh, off the dribble where they're they're creating all the contact into the defense and yet the defense uh, gets called for a foul. Uh, I think they've, they've recognized that that was taking place and, and uh, the pressure that that was, um, you know, the, the undue pressure that that was putting on, on defense that was trying to hold their ground. So I think from that standpoint, um, we, we, we'll, see, uh, we'll see some improvement. Well, very good. I appreciate you coming on the air here on the show. As always, good luck the rest of the season. Of course, that means good luck in just a matter of days against Caltech. And uh, as I said, see, look forward to see you in Vegas. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, just uh, look forward to uh, to, to the, another great season of, of Whitworth basketball. And uh, when you've got a group of juniors and seniors like this, uh, you really uh, enjoy kind of sitting back and, and letting them kind of lead themselves and, and, and be a part of that, that journey. And I think one of the great things about Division Three basketball is, uh, you know, you, you see so many bright spots and bright stories. And, and, um, and so I'm looking forward to, 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 
taking part in that again. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Coach. Take care of yourself, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Matt Logie joining us here. From Whitworth, again, preseason number three. They're off to a 1-0 start. Big game against Caltech, and I mean that seriously coming up. They'll then play non-Division three uh, Northwest uh, from Washington on the 21st and then head to Colorado College uh, Thanksgiving weekend, play Hamline and Colorado College, and then the rest of the way as we described. Appreciate Coach coming on the air. When we come back, we'll head back towards the center of the country, talk to a women's basketball coach who's returning to Division three after a long time, Augsburg's. Women's coach joins us here on the show. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things, not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Our first Sunday show of the season. Normally that is reserved for January, but as we've been talking about all show long, we've added our Sunday shows to the mix in November and December. We'll talk about more of that later in the show as well. If you've got questions for us or our guests have suggestions for us, want to interact with us in general, whatever the case may be, don't forget us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville and join us. Or you can email us too, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Of course, all that information scrolling at the bottom of your screen. I know we're competing with football, but that doesn't mean there isn't a lot to talk about in Division Three, uh, and certainly uh, the West region. We just talked to Whitworth out of there on the on the men's side, on the women's side. Certainly, plenty to talk about there as well. We go into Minnesota for our next story, and it's out of Augsburg on the women's side. Unfortunately, earlier this year, not that long ago, team lost their head coach Bill McKee, who died from cancer. 
um, on Thursday, August 27th. He was battling kidney cancer, was 62 years old, and they quickly found a coach within a month, and they went to an old Division Three stalwart, as you as you could say. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is that stalwart, Ted Riveroso. River, see, I knew I was going to screw it up, Ted. Uh, Reverso. Ted Reverso joins us from Augsburg. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, first and foremost. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. I, uh... I'm going to take offense to the calling me the old Division Three coach. Come yeah. On, huh? uh, well, it's, uh, a fair point. A fair point. Uh, let's just say former, long time former, former, former head coach. Um, I spent a long time in Division Three. Obviously, at at St. Thomas. For anybody who knows your resume, uh, certainly turned the Tommies into a stalwart, uh, a, a a tough team uh, there in the late '80s and, and into the '90s, and and you coached there until '99 before moving on. Um, if you became an assistant coach up at Division One and and now return to Division Three, you were at Minnesota from uh, 06 to 14. What what drew you to this job? What drew you to coming back to Division Three and and taking on this Augsburg squad? Well, my initial interest in uh, Augsburg and in, in Division Three was that Bill was here, and um, Bill and I have been friends uh, since college. I knew him well. Uh, we had quite um, a few interactions while I was at Minnesota and he was at Augsburg the last four years. Um, you know, he would come to our practices and we would pick each other's brains and, and talk basketball quite a bit. So when I knew he was sick, I was, uh, you know, I was concerned for his health and um, and we stayed close and obviously, you know, knew what was going on at Augsburg uh, through Bill. And then when his passing uh, came about, I uh, was approached and um, um, you know and was interested. Uh, it was a nice uh, it was a nice fit for me, uh, the school, the program, and um, you know a bittersweet appointment, mm-hmm. but uh, but one that um, I felt you know we could honor his memory and uh, and and you know try to build upon the foundation that uh, that he has started here. Oh, and McKee, yeah, he had done quite a bit in the last few years. They made the the uh, MIAC uh, postseason playoffs for the first time ever last right. season finished nine and nine in the conference fifteen and right. twelve overall for the for that program a huge turnaround you know this is a program we're seeing used to seeing single digit wins from in two thousand twelve they had fourteen they fell back to nine in two thousand thirteen but were back to twelve the following year and fifteen as we said last year with a winning record the, you know big turnaround for him. Um, and I know he's missed, but it definitely seems like, from what you say, you, you hope to continue that at the program. We do. We do. We really want to uh, build. You know, I, I think it, you know, it takes time to build a foundation, and I think that they have done that here. And now I think it's time to, to build the building, you know, and, uh, and to continue and build upon what has, what has been started. And that's our goal. Um, um, and, you know, we hope to dive right in and start this year. It's, it's going to be an adjustment year for everybody, um, uh, for the players with a new coach, for the coach with a new team, and for the addition of uh, uh, we have a, a, a number of new players in the program. So, you know, all those things going on, it may take some time, but um, I'm optimistic for the year. You took over the program about mid-September or so. How hard is it to get up to speed with – now, granted, there isn't like they were having practices already, but how hard is it to get up to speed with a team that, A, you weren't necessarily familiar with, B, was already in school and kind of coming together as a unit, uh, and C, is obviously still dealing with the loss of their head coach? 
Um, I think all of those are factors. I think that initially what we tried to do is just build a relationship with the players and, you know, getting to know them, them getting to know me off the court, just, uh, you know, as a person and, and um, you know, what uh, what did they could expect from me and my personality and, and vice versa. You know, who, who were they and what were their interests and what were their majors and, you know, how did they like Augsburg? So, you know, just building a relationship with the players was the initial component and then starting practices. And, you know, they're, they were accustomed to doing things a certain way. I had uh, familiarity with Bill and his system. So, you know, that part made it a little bit easier. But I still, you know, have other ideas uh, of things that I'd like to do. And, uh, you know, my personality is not the exact same as Bill. So <laughs> so that was, uh, you know, a bit of an adjustment as well for, for the kids. But, um but it's a work in progress, and um, you know I think right now uh, both sides are enjoying the journey. I was going to say the, the the one significant here is you know a lot of coaches get hired late um, or early spring to late spring, even early summer. They get a chance to at least tell the veterans, "Hey, here's what I plan to do." Maybe they can send them ideas of the system they want to put in place so they can study it over the summer, or they get a chance to see it. You literally got a chance to start telling people what you wanted to do while incorporating stuff that, that the former coach had with only weeks before the first practices. There's got to be a bit of a learning curve, not only for the team getting used to you, but for you to not make that adjustment too harsh. Absolutely. I mean, I, I got asked that point blank, you know, <laughs> or, 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 you know, what's this going to be like? Yeah. You know, are, are we going to be become a Division One team? You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And and, uh, and and not only that is that um, our top four returning players from last year were not here till three days ago. Right. Um, I had two in volleyball, one in soccer and one had a concussion. So, you know, basically the returning players who were the, you know, the backbone of that group a year ago, um, you know, I, I have only seen for three days. So it's um, <laughs> each day brings a new challenge. And uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's been fun. I mean, uh, the kids are interested. I'm interested. And um, the, the camaraderie has started to grow. So uh, I'm excited about what the future holds. You, as we said, coached at St. Thomas from 84 to 99, not too shabby, 337 and 80 record. You moved on, became an assistant coach at Minnesota, basically between then and now, uh, with a little bit of gaps here and there at the beginning and the end. How much, you know, what did you, what did you learn in the, the Division One ranks that you're hoping to be able to, to use at the Division Three ranks? And how much, and granted, you've only had one game and, and a month of practices, but how much has changed since you've left? Oh, a lot of things have changed. I mean, it, it, it's changed everywhere. You know, I mean, let's start with the rules. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're you entering a great season too, aren't you? Yeah. So you're, you know, you're coming in, and you know, it doesn't even look the same. No. So, uh, so that part, you know, that part was an adjustment. But um, you know, that's a that's a component that everybody is dealing with, not just us right. here. But um, you know, Division One changed in just the time that I was uh, the eight years that I was there. And you know, coming back to Division Three, you see, a, a, you know, a real change in the landscape here as well, in terms of the. Um, uh, the, you know, the obligations of the coaches, the, the, the teams, uh, the, the members of the teams and the kinds of things they're interested in and, um, and you know, uh, being flexible. Everybody's got more than one thing that they're trying to do. And uh, so um, uh, the nice part about being in Division One is that, you, you know, you're totally immersed in basketball all the time, you know, and and so you get to, um, 
you know, you, you get to challenge yourself and look at things differently and see what other people are doing. And uh, it's a, you know, 24 hours a day, seven day a week job. And um, but you're totally immersed in basketball. So now when you get back in Division three, having had that experience, I think is great. But it's more of a. Um, you know, that, that the kids have other things that they're trying to do, uh, as do the coaches have other responsibilities. So it's uh, uh, th- that part is significantly different. Um, obviously, this team's got a lot of its core back. Uh, it lost its leading scorer in, in Abby Luger, but obviously she was at 12.7 points, but Jessica Lilquist is at 12.2. She comes back along with Bridget Bed- uh, Bednar, uh, also Jenna Orth, and, and a lot of the core group. A lot this team has gone through, obviously, especially emotionally. What can this team accomplish, though, this season? How easy or how hard will it be to build off of of last year's, in their terms, great success? Well, I think the, the biggest hurdle is they really want to do it. And I think so that's not really um, – th- that hurdle has come down quickly. It's uh, it's something they want to do. They want to be successful. They um, you know, they, they want to build on last year. I mean, we have really five seniors that have been with the program for all four years that, uh, you know, are, are, are the ones who have taken up the torch and say, you know, let's, let, let's get this done. And um, like I said, some of them are just joining us now. So it's, you know, it, it's a work in progress, but um, I like uh, the group that's returning, uh, the new players. Uh, we have a couple of transfers, which are going to be uh, immediate impact, and a fine, fine recruiting class uh, that has come in that will help us as well. Um, Josh Hirsch, who's the assistant, was the assistant for Bill, is still the assistant here, has done uh, an unbelievable job of uh, keeping things together while all this transition was going on. So. Uh, I think because of that, I think we'll be able to to um, to be a a group. I think that uh, wants to be better than they were a year ago. So that's the that's the goal. Um, talking here with Ted uh, Reverso, uh, now head coach at Augsburg. Of course, you come back to a conference you somewhat know. It has changed certainly since you were in it last in '99. But St. Thomas continues to be on top, uh, along with Bethel. It is a it is a actual fascinating conference. Uh, in terms of where it has gone, gone in the last few years and where it may go in the next few. Certainly, um, postseason aspirations are, to say the least, even St. Mary's was in the mix last year. Gustavus Adolphus at 17-9. and nine. Again, Augsburg right there in the middle with a, another group of good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you're at a disadvantage, though, having been out of the conference for so long, getting back into it? Or almost is that an advantage? You don't have any pre you know, predetermined mentality of what to expect from teams? I, you know, Dave, it's really both. Um, I mean, I think that, um, you know, coming in with, a, with fresh eyes and seeing things um, from a fresh perspective uh, certainly has its advantages, you know. But, um, you know, I mean, it's not like I, I'm not familiar with the people in the conference. I mean, three of the coaches I coached you know, uh, in the conference. So yeah. I know, I know the people, I know the, um, you know, I know the league, I know the schools. Um, uh, and, uh, so that, you know, that, that part of it is, uh, is certainly an advantage, but, um, the league, you know, has been, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, St. Thomas has been the, the premier school in the league for the you know, last few years and, um, now being challenged by some other people, you know, uh, coming to the top, but, but, um, you know, and, until 
somebody knocks them off, you know, uh, the the rest of the league is very very competitive with an eye on St. Thomas. And uh, yeah. but once you get past that top one, you know, look at all the schools you mentioned. I mean, and every one of those, you know, is a competitive program. And you, you throw in, you know, St. Ben's, and yeah. and now I think Carleton and St. Olaf are going to both be. Uh, uh, both be improved, uh, you know. So it's it's uh, um, right on down the line. I think it's uh, uh, it's a lot more balanced. Um, you know, I, I think we, we still have the top teams, but the rest of the league is much more balanced than than probably when I left. Um, I realize it's a bit of a put you on a spot thing, but I know it wasn't necessarily part of the plan. How long do you think you you give Augsburg? Have you told them yes, I can give you X amount of time, or is this one of those where, hey, let's go see what this is like and and see how long we can take it? Well, I told them that uh, I would like to stay here as long as they want me. <laughs> Great. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't uh, have any plans to uh, uh, to do anything than, other than Coach Augsburg. And uh, I, I am I am thrilled to be here. Uh, it, it has been a very, very good fit for me. And, uh, you know, I am eager to get this thing going. So um, that's kind of where we, we left it. I got to ask you this, though. You're from the Westchester, Pennsylvania area. Oh, here we go. Well, here's my question. What's with coaches coming from that area and going to the upper Midwest to have some success? Uh, You're from Westchester, and you make your way there. You certainly did well at St. Thomas. You had some time at at the Minnesota women's team as an assistant coach. Uh, Now you're here. Bo Ryan at Wisconsin comes through Chester, Pennsylvania, uh, and and has certainly been successful. There's other coaches we can go through a list here. Right, and Bo, you know, Actually, Bo's high school team and my high school team played each other. So, Doesn't surprise I mean, me yeah, the slightest. So, yeah, so Bo <laughs> and I uh, have exchanged that comment briefly um, <laughs> because something happened. But uh, you know, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I mean, Oriema uh, yeah. was at, was at Westchester at, yeah. at the time that I was, and uh, Joe Center, um, who went on to have great success with the Vikings, yes. and still lives in Minnesota, was at Westchester at that time. So. Um, she and knows then, the only one who didn't go to the upper Midwest. No, no, no. <laughs> he he was not allowed to leave the area, so he was. <laughs> he, he probably had to stay close to home. But um, you know, there, there, there were you know, like Linda Hill McDonald came out of Westchester and had a great career coaching, and um, you know, there, there, you, you just you, you could go down the line yeah. of uh, a number of people that were. But like Gino, I think I think Gino is the one that said, you know, um, everybody in Philly can coach. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, true. You go to any game and everybody's a coach. Everyone's so. got an opinion. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you wonder why the Eagles aren't succeeding. They have so many coaches to listen to. They got a lot. They, uh, a they lot. really, they really, they really <laughs> my do. Bro- my brother being one of them. So <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> uh, well, I just I, I I get a kick out of the fact that there's that many coaches and have been that successful. I mean, Bo Ryan. Everyone talks about D1. Very successful at Division Three. Um, as you know, before he went on to D1, obviously. He was a great um, Division Three coach, and uh, our men's program at St. Thomas when I was there yeah. played played against his Platteville teams when he, when he was in Division Three, and uh, you know how impressive they were uh, yeah. even then. So, to put you on a bit of a spot, what 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 is hopefully the legacy that Bill McKee put in place that this Augsburg program can now not live up to. I don't like saying that, but you know what I'm trying right. to say is yeah, wh- yeah. Oh, what what's the direction I, now? I think he'll be recognized as uh as the person or the coach that that turned this thing around. That that he was the one that started the upswing for Aug- Augsburg and I think it's kind of our responsibility to keep it going now 
And uh, and if we do, then I think he will get uh, just um, credit for getting this thing going in the right direction. So, and that being, you know, I'd like to see him as a perennial uh, conference tournament participant and an occasional um, challenger for the title and, and and the national tournament. So that's the, you know, I, I think he he had those same goals and, you know, it takes time to build. And I yeah. think he got it started. And unfortunately, um, it's now our responsibility to keep it going. Well, it certainly was a great um, start to the process. Uh, great to see you back in Division Three. Well, thanks, Dave. Um, and it's especially, great to be back. yeah, well, especially to see you take over a program that's certainly heading in the right direction, but with certainly a lot of emotions to deal with. We know that that will be handled. And again, got the first win under your belt versus St. Scholastica, 63-61 or 63-62. Uh, of course, you'll take on Northwestern quickly before I let you go. Any idea what you're facing when you look at this? You didn't put this schedule together. <laughs> no, no, that was Josh as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, he had his hands in everything, but. Um, Northwestern will be a challenge. Uh, you know, their yeah. their men were very good in you know last year, and uh, they play a similar style, great motion, and terrific offensive players, and uh, you know, a little bit of a you know matchup uh, zone on the other end. So um, you know, something different that uh, that you have to you have to deal with. So well, you're we'll, gonna have a, a we'll mixture of teams it. in there, and you get the trip to Colorado Springs to boot. Uh, coming up on Thanksgiving weekend. Well, Coach, thanks so much for joining us. I really do appreciate it. Good luck this season to you and the team. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on you. Maybe we'll even chat with you later in the season, depending on how things go. Uh, tradition here on the show is we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I think it's going to be an exciting year of basketball. I think with the new the new rule changes and everybody making adjustments, I, I, I think uh, – it, it's going to it's going to put some wrinkles in yeah. uh, what what people think are you know traditional picks. So uh, I, I would stay tuned. I think it's going to be a great year. Yeah, it should be as well. Thanks so much. We'll look forward to talking to you. And uh, as I said, good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it, Dave. Dan Reverso joining us here on the show. We want to wish them, as we said, good luck coming up ahead. Uh, should be fun to watch. We have plenty more show ahead. Um, plenty to talk about. We'll go around the regions. We got a couple other coaches on do uh, down in Texas. We got a coach lined up. We got some others lined up elsewhere. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches. Stay tuned for more Hoopsville right after this. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. 
Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Division three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind 
is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With the D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. I know sports. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're having a good evening. It's our first Sunday show of the season, something we don't normally say until January. But again, adding Jan Sunday shows to the season, want to give a little bit more love to Division Three basketball. We realized we could step on some football toes, but decided we really needed to give more attention to basketball. So that's why we're on the air. You can join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. All that information sitting at the bottom of your screen. Um, scrolling at the bottom of your screen for you for uh, in case you missed it. Um, I want to thank our coaches so far. We have a few more coaches. UT um, Tyler, women's coach, will join us. We'll also talk to Ryan uh, Whitnable about the Great Lakes region coming up here shortly. But let's get to our, our Atlantic region. And the Atlantic region is one of those regions, especially in men's basketball, lots of questions almost seemingly every year. Um, we talked earlier about William Patterson's big win over Mount Union to start the season. I voted for William Patterson in the top 25. They didn't get into the top 25, obviously got votes. Um, Mount Union was number seven. Is that because William Patterson is better than voters thought they were? Is it because Mount Union isn't as good as number seven? Is it a combination of both? Is it absolutely none of that? And it was, it was just the fact it was the first game of the season. Who knows? But the one thing about the Atlantic region we always run into is, especially in the last few years, is how good is the NJAC? Is it coming back to the power it used to be? On top of that, the CUNYAC, the Skyline, and all these other conferences, now the MAC Freedom, can they get a foothold and become better? It, honestly, the Atlantic tends to be near the bottom along with the East region as in the sense of power regions. But there's some good basketball teams there, and there's teams that are lurking, that are they're, they're quietly there. And one of those teams I think this year is the one we're going to talk to, and that's Brooklyn, the Bulldogs, off to a terrific start uh, this season with some big wins. Um, and we're, you know, certainly would love to see them improve upon that. And I'm sure their head coach would love to see them improve upon what they've already been able to accomplish so far this season. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Rich McAuliffe. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you, Dave. Good evening to you. Uh, well, good evening to you yourself as well. And, hey, listen, I, I looked at your schedule at the beginning of the season, and, and a couple things caught my mind. First, you don't seem like you're shying away from anybody this year. Second of all, you had some nice little kind of different matchups in there than we've seen in the past. You were heading out to Case Western Reserve uh, in, in Ohio to get some good games in. I, I noticed that they're going to have a game against Albertus Magnus at one point this season. You've got William Patterson on the schedule. Uh, there was another tournament I thought I saw, but maybe I was just imagining things. But it was just a matter of seeing you guys in a couple of different places this season that I'm not used to seeing you. H has the mentality maybe changed, or do you feel you've got a team that you want to put in position come March? Well, we're, we're trying to uh, schedule uh, teams that we feel that, that can up our, our schedule as far as not only just us but the conference. Sure. And we want to build our strength of schedule because I know that was one of the things that uh, deferred us from la last year 
uh, and getting to the NCAA tournament yeah. and uh, putting Albertus Magnus on the schedule and teams like Case Western. And, uh, you know, uh, we've played William Patterson in the past, and, and they're a strong team, uh, uh, again, in the NJAC. So we wanted to build up our strength schedule in, in that regard. Of course, you played Rochester Tech uh, to start uh, the season and start the tournament at Case Western Reserve. Not like Kate, that Rochester Tech has been great since uh, back in 2009, but at least a solid team. They're actually 16-9 record a couple of years ago. I shouldn't speak too quickly. Got a big win over Case Western Reserve. That taps into the UAA. You've got games against uh, New Jersey City and William Patterson coming up. Uh, you got SUNY Old Westbury in there. Um, Stevens taps into a nice conference for you guys. You mentioned the Albertus Magnus. You, you've got a nice little schedule there for, I know what the challenges that you guys sometimes face in scheduling. And it kind of helps position the CUNYAC. But you touch on saying that making the CUNYAC maybe better. Is this something we're seeing across the board in the CUNYAC? Well, well, I think so. And I, I think the um, the CUNYAC is not getting the recognition they deserve. Um, the CUNYAC conference, I believe, this year especially, is going to be is much more balanced than than uh, than we get credit for. Sure. Um, with Baruch and Staten Island, I mean, we're picked third in the CUNYAC conference. Um, we, we feel, you know, York is going to be strong and John Jay is so much, uh, better than they were last year. Um, I, I, I think across the board, the CUNYAC conference is going to be stronger than, than what people give it credit for. Well, Baruch, for example, last season was 21 and seven, made the NCAA tournament, um, and, and got a win. Um, uh, and then Baruch made some headlines in their, in their preseason. Uh, who did they play? It was blanket on it uh, d1 team they took down to the water oh, uh seton hall seton yeah, hall sure. thank you uh yeah. you know that certainly got some attention and they've got a nice little schedule though a loss to montclair state to be honest with you montclair state might be sneaky good this year but they've got a decent out of conference schedule this year layman last year you know 18 and 10 after a hot start um certainly turned some heads early on and they've got some good squads that they'll they'll also play william patterson uh hey, this hey. season hey. it's definitely a change hey, no. Yeah, and don't forget Lehman beat William Patterson last right. year. Right, um, and and you know they're they're a very good team also, which I forgot to mention, you know in in uh, in, in the prelude there. Um, Lehman's going to be very good. I mean, we're pretty balanced across the yeah. board at, at the CUNYAC conference. Well, and and you mentioned Staten Island. You know, they had a terrific season last year, uh, twenty nine. They were terrific the year before, at twenty eight and three, but got left out. And that's definitely what I'm sensing. I've talked to other coaches there. You guys seem to go, okay, we're changing this. Yeah, and and look at you look at Staten Island, uh, what they did. They beat NYU in the ECAC uh, yep. uh, final last year. Um, you know they've got everybody returning. So I mean, and they're one of the favorites to win the uh, CUNY Act. You know, I, I think we're a strong conference last year, and I and I hope we get the recognition that we deserve. You know, as far as the conference is is concerned, not just only as a, a you know as Brooklyn College is, is concerned. Right. Uh, of course, you know you've got a, a region that's got the NJAC, which has um, also kind of hit a rough spot for a few years, but seems to be coming back. We talked about William Patterson, we got Stockton, et cetera. You know, the Mac Freedom is at least competitive. It seems like the Atlantic is is going from, what, was it two years ago? We talked about Staten Island got left home. Nobody from the Atlantic got in that large bid. The, I mean, they look at schedules at the beginning of the season. Certainly, this Atlantic region is, is setting themselves up to be deeper and maybe get some bids this year. 
Yeah, we're we're hoping so, and that's why we we uh, we took Albertus Magnus on. You know, uh, we're going out there in sometime in December, and uh, we got William Patterson next Saturday, and uh, we're we're trying to you know beef the schedule up, uh, so to speak, is so that that you know that maybe we can get some consideration. You know, God forbid, you know that we're not in the in the Cuniac Conference. Uh, uh, finals again uh, as this last year. Now, correct me if I'm not, you, this is your second season as head coach of the Bulldogs. Last year, their first 21 season since 2010. Um, certainly trying to turn the program around. I mean, I remember the days of 08, 09, and 010 when this was a, a pretty strong 10-win season or 21 team, and then it kind of hit the slides, and now you kind of seem to have it back. But it's because you got some good talent there that maybe people aren't realizing. You brought back a good core from last year's squad. Yeah, we're we're an upperclassman, um, you know, driven uh, uh, team this year. You know, we've got a lot of seniors returning. Uh, we, we've added some seniors that might not have been on the team last year, but they're part of it now. And you know, maybe that's why we're, you know, we've we've done uh, a little well in the, in the last two games. But you know, it's we're looking forward to a push, you know, down the end of the season. So we're. Uh, we're we're trying to you know build that you know appropriately. You look at last year's stats and this year's roster. The top two scorers coming back. And by the way, it's not like you guys don't score points. Uh, I I'm going to screw up his name. I apologize now. Um, was it Jambalaj? Jambalaj. That's right. It's like Jambalaj. Yes, Jambalaj, but Jambalaj. Jambalaj comes back. He was averaging 18 plus points a game. Lorenzo Williams at 15 and a half points a game. Uh, returns. Um, is Jai Kellerman? He's not back. Uh, Jai, Ke- Jai Kellerman uh, graduated last right. year. Right. You lost Kellerman, so he you lose fourteen and a half points there. But you got two guys behind him that had double figures. I mean, you do have talent coming back. So what's what's the the mentality of the team this year? You've got offense. Do you have to focus on defense? Do you have to ratchet up maybe in offense? I mean, where's what's what's the adjustment you have to make going into this season? Well, we lost 40 points coming into the season with, with our center at Vaughn Jambalik um, and Jai and Steven Diaz. So we lost 40 points in our in our lineup. But yeah, we're we're, we're focusing more on defense and see if we can make uh, better adjustments there, uh, where we can, um, you know, be more competitive on the defensive end, and as well as you know, we just want to we, we try to outscore teams, but we want to be able to make stops. And that's important coming down to the end of the season when it comes to uh, playoff time. This conference will obviously keep you guys a little bit um, focused. I think it's kind of like the end jack in some cases where, you know, you've got some good teams at the top, but those middle teams are easily uh, or or games that that the middle teams can easily win can come at the top. And at the same time, the bottom can always come up and bite somebody for lack of a better description. You've got to stay focused for all 25 games this season. But how hard is that to do when you have to take breaks like from December 11th to January 3rd? Uh, you know, you'll play at Lehman on the 11th of December, then you take a break and you'll play Staten Island on the 3rd of November. Yeah, you know, that was the challenge last year, and we you know we we want to stay healthy. Uh, we want to be able to compete with everybody, and you know the the non-conference schedule we feel is 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 as strong as we've had in, in in quite a long time and that's what we set up this year because we were you know or we are a more senior led uh, uh team 
this year that we feel that we can do that. Um, but when it comes to conference time, you know, we want to be able to con- you know, continually get better as the season goes on, and hopefully you know, we're, we'll be peaking towards uh, playoff time. What's the secret about the CUNYAC? Why is it, uh, I mean, I think some people don't appreciate maybe the style of play in the conference. Obviously very city, you know, um, centric in the sense that that's where all the schools are from. Obviously, we, you know, the big news was a couple of years ago when the game was on ESPN3. Everyone thought Staten Island would win and York of New York surprised everybody and even took the, the extra, you know, took Staten Island's bid away, essentially. But what's the style of play in this conference? Is it you know, uh, the, the more street or city and street centric or, or is it not giving it enough credit um, to maybe more of a traditional style? I, I tend to watch some of these teams and see a little bit more half court than a lot of people maybe give it credit for. You know, I mean, you know, from our standpoint, we're not going to be the traditional style of basketball. You know, we're going to try to do things where we're a little more, you know, off the cuff. And a little more, you know, when you look at like a Kentucky style of basketball with the dribble drive and we're going to try to attack you and things like that, where we're not just going to be the dribble handoff kind of uh, pick and roll, uh, as they call the the way the, you know, the the right style of basketball. I'm not sure that's the way we want to look at ourselves as, but we're going to, we're going to be more, you know, we're going to try to attack and, and be more aggressive on that style, uh, on that end of the basketball court than, than most traditional teams. And, and whether that's a CUNYAC style, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think that's where we're, we're headed, you know, as far as this year is concerned. And you know the school well. We talked about it, I think, last year. Um, all-time leading scorer when you graduated with 1,740 career points from Brooklyn. What's it like now that you've gotten a year under your belt of being um, you know, coaching your alma mater and now trying to strive to take them um, back to the NCAA tournament again. Well, I, I don't think there's, a, there's, there's any secret there. You know, now that the guys know what's, what's expected of them, I think we're a little ahead of the game, you know, as far as this year. But it, it comes down to the latter part of the season where we need to uh, get better and improve not only just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end. And I think that's where we lacked last year. And we are taking an emphasis on on being better at the defensive end and, and making more stops and not just trying to outscore people. And I think that's been the stigma of the CUNYAC conference where uh, we, we, you know the offensive end was more important. This year we're, we're trying to take a more uh, uh, prudent approach of making more stops you know, down the road. You certainly got two big wins to start the season. You beat RIT, who is can be a really good program on almost any year. You beat them soundly, 91-68. You beat a Case Western Reserve team that may not be at the top of the UAA, but is certainly competitive in that conference. They've been 6-8 and eight the last two years in the UAA, and you beat them 92-79. Those are two big wins. How do you get them refocused now at home against New Jersey City, who's, I would say, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, and William Patterson, who we know is is clearly probably better than than people realize. Yeah, I I, I think William Patterson is underestimated. You know, uh, throughout the NJAC. I mean, I, I think they're going to be uh, really strong when when all is said and done. I mean, they're a, a very good team. Um, you know, and they give us all they can handle last year, um, all, all that we can handle last year, rather. Um, 
and and they're coming into our place. I mean, they've got it. I, in my estimation, I think they're in the top twenty some point mm-hmm. at some point uh, coming into us. Um, they're playing real good basketball. They they've got a lot of guys returning. Uh, Jose Rabinus does a great job with that program. Um, I, I think they're underestimated. I, I, I think they should be up there. Um, so we've got a tough uh, schedule ahead of us before we get into the CUNY conference. Um, you know, those games coming uh, uh, ahead of us. So, uh, look, any way you slice it, you know, we've, we've got to take care of business this week, and, and hopefully we can we can be competitive and, and, uh, and then start our, our, our CUNY run. And, you know, we've got Albertus Magnus sometime in December and, and a couple others you know, like Old Westbury. They're going to be tough. Look, we, we've got a tough schedule, so we're, we're looking forward to it, and I think our guys are focused, and uh, hopefully we're ready to go. Well, I certainly love what I've seen so far. I love your schedule. I really do. And, uh, and sorry, the bad news is William Patterson will not be in the top 20 by the time you play him, only because there's no top 25 poll until after you play them. So we allow the voters to at least get a few extra games in there before they have to vote uh, in the first week. But you're right. I think they're under underappreciated. They're in my top 25 ballot, for example. But uh, looking forward to it, Coach. Really great start to the season for you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing what the CUNYAC is like this season. As always, we give the coach, though, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I we're we're going to just try the the, the best we can. Um, you know, we we know we got a tough schedule ahead of us, and you know, look, it's a long season. Uh, it, it's it, it's a long way to go. You never know what's going to happen injury wise and things like that. But we're just going to try to continue to play Brooklyn basketball. We hope the people uh, that watch us and follow us enjoy what we're doing, and we're going to give them the best product that we can. And uh, I, you know, I look. I, I look at the CUNYAC conference. I, I, I think we're we're one of the uh, we're we're a strong conference, uh, regardless of what happens. You know, throughout the season, I, I Baruch, Staten Island, York, Lehman. You know, all the way down the line, I, I think there's going to be better parity uh, throughout. And um, I, I hope we get the recognition that that we deserve throughout the conference. It certainly looks that way this year, Coach. Congratulations again on the start. Thank you for joining me. I certainly appreciate it, and we'll look forward to seeing how the rest of the campaign transpires. Thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to talking to you in the near future. Definitely. Take care, Coach. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye. Rich McAuliffe joining us from Brooklyn. He's, you know, listen, on paper, I'm just looking at things in that CUNYAC, and I think he's on to something there. I think the CUNYAC is going to surprise some people this season. You've seen it in the change and how they're scheduling, and there's a great example at Brooklyn. They'll take on New Jersey City and William Patterson. They'll get into conference play against CCNY, then SUNY Old Westbury. That's all before the end of November. They then have Stevens, John Jay in conference, Medgar Evers in conference, Albertus Magnus out of conference, Lehman in conference. That's all in December in the first 11 days. They've got some good games on this schedule before they get into conference play. Watch out for the CUNYAC this year. I think we're going to be talking about the CUNYAC a little bit more than we have in the past. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball, and we'll jump down to Texas. New head coach down there as well. Coach Hassel will join us from UT Tyler. Of course, the team ranked 21st in the country, brings back a lot of talent, but with a new coach who certainly knows the area well. We'll talk to her about what she expects from the season uh, and and what she's expecting um, from the conference and certainly what, what can this squad do this year after bowing out in the second round. 
last season. You're listening to Hoops Hoop, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. You can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. When we come back, Coach Hassel joins us to talk basketball in the ASC. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student-athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Forgive me as I am tweeting at the same time as producing and and anchoring the show. Because this is what we do on Hoopsville. We do it all right here out of our Hoopsville studios out of the greater Baltimore area. Um, just a teaser. I'm hearing, well, by the way, we're working on a new partnership. I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say a group that we've been hoping to be involved with Hoopsville for the last 10 years will looks like to be involved with our show. We're looking forward to it. Look for that announcement in, in the Let's, I would love to say coming days, but maybe before Thanksgiving. Also, one of the groups we've been working with on Hoopsville for a number of years. Apparently, good news coming around the corner. It's what I've been told. So look for some good news from them as well and other things down the road uh, as we speak. Also, we will be hitting the road with Hoopsville. Hoping to uh, maybe, we're thinking about maybe going to the Wendy's Classic beginning of December. Um, I should say I'm going to be there. It's not like we're going to bring Hoopsville on the road. I, I'll probably be home in time to do the show on that Sunday evening. But nonetheless, we'll be on the road. Also, probably going to be traveling again in January uh, surrounding the NCAA convention. Maybe heading down to Texas uh, if we can get our budget in order and make that work out. We may be down in Texas to see some basketball games. And who knows elsewhere and uh, anywhere else. We're, we're just looking at the schedule, see what we can do. So uh, look out for us down the road. Look out for some announcements. Speaking of Texas, certainly some good basketball taking place down there. One of the stories we certainly watched was on the women's side of things last year. Uh, of course, in the second round, well, as is Texas, and because you can't really get teams away from each other due to the 500-mile rule, uh, we unfortunately saw Texas Tyler and Texas Dallas face off in the second round. Of course, that brought Texas Tyler's season to the end under then-coach Kevin Baker. Team finished 27-3 and after a 19-1 and campaign in the ASC. Well, things have changed, as it were. Uh, new head coach, um, but I think the same ambitions. They are ranked 21st in the preseason poll. 
and under new guideship, which we've seen a little bit of, and it's been a bit of a bit of a theme of the hoop shows early on, talking to some new coaches, especially on the women's side. So we wanted to figure out what can Texas Tyler do this year. What can they do under a new head coach who certainly knows the region and knows the conference and knows everything else pretty well? So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, Kendra Hassel from Texas. Tyler, coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, first and foremost, uh, welcome back to Division III. Um, if I'm, uh, yeah, I may have said that before I jumped. Correct, you were an assistant coach somewhere else. Yes, Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian. Thank you. I, I, I see sometimes it comes in my head correctly and sometimes i remember Uh it um but Uh you're not it's not like you're not familiar here you're a bit of a pretty good basketball player in your day in harden simmons and you know all american and all um what's it like to now take over a d3 program kind of in it i say kind of in an area i understand texas is massive but kind of in an area you're familiar well, it's been a, a really exciting time for me um, to be able to come back into the ASD. Now, when I played, however, UC Tyler didn't even have a program. So they started the year after I finished up, so I never played in their gym or <laughs> had any experiences at UC Tyler. So that's a little bit different, but um, I'm really excited to be back in this league. Um, I, I was going to say how much has changed, but we haven't gotten that far into the season. So I'm not going to jump right. off that bridge. And we'll talk about the mm-hmm. changes in, 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 in the rules in a little bit. But first and foremost, let's point out, you haven't even gotten the season underway yet. You got hired in May after Ken Baker left. Kevin Baker, I apologize, left. Um, your first games are coming up this weekend. How much control did you have on the schedule, and, and did you have any ability to get a game in this weekend, or was this kind of just out the window? The schedule was pretty much set when I was hired. Now, we did uh, have an exhibition game against Stephen F. Austin, but as far as a real game, it, it was pretty much out the window already. Um, by the way, put up a ton of three-pointers in that Stephen F. Austin <laughs> game, as I saw. Uh, by design right. or by defense? <laughs> no, by design, actually. Yep. And there were several that rolled in and out that I thought we were going to have and, and really could have made a difference in that game a little bit. Um, is that going to be the change? Is that going to be a bit of a change in the mentality? I mean, I, I'm not going to say I know Texas Tyler's is mentality last year all that much but i remember watching quite a bit of the dallas game it was on a rare sunday due to due to storms that had pushed the games and i don't remember being a very shoot from the outside mentality it seemed like more of a pounded inside mentality maybe i've got it wrong but is your mentality to try and spread it a little bit to the outside more well you know our personnel is completely different this year Um, we graduated three really good players and have replaced them with some really good shooters and so um, I am a post player from my yes. heart and always will be. And so I'm not ever going to say we're not pounding in, inside. But uh, you know what happens when you have a balanced offense is you go inside and then outside's wide open. So um, we're going to do a little bit of both. But we do work on the three-point shot quite a bit. Well, one of your leading scorers is back from last season in Michelle Obach, um, mm-hmm. 10.6 points a game. Obviously, she's one of your threats from outside. Um what what else can we – I mean, you do – here's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't vote on the women's top 25, but you get a 21 ranking. You've got three important players that left. You do have a lot back in a coaching change. What do you think voters are seeing in your squad that they're buying into already? Well, we do have a good uh, nucleus returning. And, the you know, what people, I think, hopefully see is that um, once teams experience success, they know what it takes after that. And to go 27 and four the year before, and then 27 and three last year, um, you kind of realize that whoever returns, they know what it takes, and they're extremely hungry. 
Um, we've added a good group of transfers into our, our mix and uh, returned another good shooter, Mackenzie May, off of last year's squad. That uh, she didn't start, but she still averaged about ten points. Yeah. And um, and so she, you know, is looking to help us contribute as well. Yeah, May a little over ten points. You obviously lost the inside, as you pointed out, but again, a lot of good shooters <laughs> coming back. You look at this schedule, and you've got Southwestern coming up and Shriner. Uh, in two games on the 20th and 21st, both of them on the road. Um, then you've got a game against little-known Rust, and that's just because it's an inside Division Three joke. Nobody really knows anything about <laughs> Rust. Um, before then getting into conference play with uh, Howard Payne and Sol Ross at the beginning of December. you got a game against McMurray, uh, and then you'll get back into it with Harden-Simmons and Letourneau. Uh You do have another game with Austin and Texas Lutheran and Trinity, Texas even. Uh, out of conference before you get back into conference play. The one trick about conference is there's a lot of games, but the ASC is constantly changing how many conference games there are to play this year. I know you're (laughs) new to it all, but still for the rest of it, it's like we don't remember how many games you have to play in conference. Was that something you – obviously most of the schedule is taken care of, but is that one of those things you hear the other coaches going, "Um, how many games am I scheduling this year? I I, I don't remember. Absolutely. It's changed, and we had conference meetings, and they're already talking about how we can change it back. So (laughs) you just – you never know. There's always somebody who doesn't like the scheduling in the ASC. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, you get stuck on a side playing, you know, certain teams that are a little bit harder than others, and and everybody wants to play everybody twice. So that only makes sense. Well, of course, which also would leave you with absolutely nobody to schedule outside of conference. Is there right. ever any concern? And I realize you're new to this, and the co- the coaches' conversations are probably a little bit new to it too. But is there ever a concern in that conference that listen, we play that double round robin, we are shooting ourselves in the foot at getting extra teams into the NCAA tournament? Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that was where the conversation went when we started discussing changing the the scheduling again. Absolutely. So clearly, it, it, at least it's it's part of the conversation, and that's good to hear. Obviously, Bellhaven, by the way, Bellhaven and McMurray, we should mention, are the two that are going to be coming back into the ASC. You're just not technically conference games as of yet. So what are your expectations? When you got this job, knowing the history that was in place, again, you pointed out 27-4 and four the season before that, 27-3 and three last year, 18-9 and nine back in 2013. This is a program that clearly bounced back under Coach Baker. So what were your expectations when you got the job? Or even what were your expectations when you applied for the job? Right. Well, I applied um, because I knew that they were so good and I had experienced so much success. And I feel like um, UT Tyler is a little bit of a gold mine just with location, facilities, uh, ability to recruit. And so uh, my goal ever since I've been a player has always been to win a national championship, and that will always be the goal. Now I'm not saying we're there this year or anything like that. We're focusing more on the daily process, improving every single day that we step on the floor. Um, and, you know, we've had a scrimmage and an exhibition, and we've made some small steps, but we're going to take this one game at a time. Is is the the 21 ranking something that you worry might go to the team's head in any way, shape, or form? I don't worry about those things because on a daily basis we talk about the things that really matter. And like I was saying, it's about improving. It's about doing the little things right day in and day out. Um, and they've bought into that. I'm extremely proud of how they have caught on to um, the new system and, and taken up the new philosophy. And uh, no coaches do things exactly the same, and, and they've really bought in. And, and they're starting to say the things that I, I say in practice. And so you know that the message is being received. You finished third all-time in rebounds when you left Harden-Simmons. You were second all-time when you left at points, 1,759 points. Uh, 700 shots out of nearly 13 that you took. You certainly had a good shooting percentage. 
Uh, I think they've inducted you in the American Southwest Conference Hall of Honor. Uh, have the coaches in the ASC at least honored your request that as a as such a as a lofty player in this conference in its history that you at least get ten points per game? Let's present that. <laughs> I thought, you know, it's the least they could do to have someone no of your stature to come back. No doubt. Well, you know what? There are several coaches in the league um, that played in it as well. Yes, that is true. So and, really, and, really good. And Even what, a national champion. Yeah. Oh, that's true. What What's that like? I mean, obviously you haven't gotten into conference play, but you've had conversations and you certainly know the area. It's, Abilene Christian certainly keeps you in the mix as well. So what's it uh-huh. like to not only coach in a conference you know well, but to maybe be coaching against people you know well in any way, shape, and form. Well, I'll let you know in about a month. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So when... It is funny because I do know two of them uh, particularly well. They were my former teammates. And so one is now the coach at McMurray, and then, of course, the coach at Harvinson. And so I played with both of them. And so, um, you know, it's it's fun to see them out on the road recruiting and then at the conference meetings. And, and you know, we're still teammates in some form, and, and we're <laughs> – we're glad to help each other, but when when the the tip off happens, it'll be extremely competitive. I was going to say you're probably teammates until a you're going after the same recruit, which is probably <laughs> happening more times than we can count, and uh-huh. b when the whistle finally blows to start a game. That's probably when Absolutely. it ends, right? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. What have you learned outside of Division Three, being in Division One as an assistant? What have you learned there that you can combine with your playing skills to kind of meld together into a d3 coach experience right that's a great question i feel like uh, my experiences over the last 10 years have really helped me and prepared me to be a head coach and and think a little bit outside the box you know i i call our compliance coordinator often and say can we do this and he's like well no one's ever thought of that (laughs) and it doesn't mean you can't but the thing is that's what we were doing at d1 is we were trying to think outside the box and figure out things that we could do to separate us from other people and um, so that's kind of the philosophy I've taken into this. And as much of that stuff that we can afford to do, we're continuing to do um, as far as recruiting goes and then on-the-court stuff as well. But uh, just figuring out how to push your players to be their best and then developing the best team that you can. And so um, I absolutely value my time at Division One and even Division Two. I was going to say, the other thing that's interesting is, okay, you played in Division Three. You understand what it's like to be a student-athlete in Division Three, and not that long ago. Um mm-hmm. You then go on to Division Two and Division One and get an idea about what it's like to coach in those ranks with a very different player set, especially at Division One. The expectations of the scholarships, et cetera, are a bit different. So you obviously can can relate to the student athlete having been a student athlete, but you're bringing to the table a little bit of a different mentality when it comes to coaching. Have you mm-hmm. even had that inner battle with yourself? You know what I've been so happy with since I've gotten here is just the love that I've seen for the game again. And, you know, not every Division One athlete is the same or anything like that, but um, they're there and it's a job, and yeah. it really is. It's, it's so all day long, every day of the week, all summer long nowadays. Um, but these girls here, they're here because they want to be and they love it. And I can't keep them out of the gym, and that is an amazing problem to have. It's an amazing difference, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. It is a job technically in Division One, even if they love the game. In Division Three, they want to be there because they choose to be there. They don't have to be mm-hmm. there. Um, right. And and that is a big difference. Let's get to the rules, though, because unfortunately everyone's got to play with these. And <laughs> there's some massive changes this year. I know you haven't played a game in 
in real yet. You played the mm -hmm. exhibition so far. How much are you adjusting as a coach and how much are your players adjusting? Or is this no big deal on most of the adjustments? It's just different way of calling timeout. It is just a little bit different. Um, we set up situations in practice um, every week, a couple times a week, just to make sure that um, we're getting comfortable with that before we're in a game. And so I, I haven't really noticed a huge difference. You know, um, we still have media timeouts at the five-minute mark, and so that stops play. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it, just, it does just change the timeouts a little bit. Uh, but overall, you know, to me, it hasn't been that much. Different. So you're you're still playing with the timeout. You're still playing with the media timeouts. Um, yeah. So obviously, from Division One, that's the exact same. So you're playing with three thirties and one full, and you've got to use a, a thirty in the first half, leaving you with three timeouts in the second half. Correct? That's right. Okay. And then, so the only real big difference that you guys, obviously, I by the way, I love the new timeout structure in that sense. But the only other question I got is, what about the last minute of a game scenario? How much? Right. I think that's, you know, that's really exciting, honestly, if you're in a close game to be able to use that. I mean, the WNBA is doing it, NBA has done it forever. And so just to kind of catch up with them and, and have the opportunity to do that. I will say in our first scrimmage, the officials were bothered a little bit more by that than, than we were. And they were wanting us to try to call a timeout in that last minute so they can get used to it, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, but like I said, I mean, we practice that all the time right now and just making sure that our kids don't take the dribble to advance the ball before we can call the timeout um, because, you know, then it would already have been advanced. Um, but I, it does make it a little bit more exciting and maybe you can win on a last second shot that way. Well, the other thing that's interesting too, though, is you have to then hold on to some timeouts. This is going to change how you call timeouts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You need that one for sure. Yeah, you almost have to think twice in the backcourt scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, not to waste one. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show. Really looking forward to seeing what uh, what what you guys can do there at Tyler. Um, certainly, the Patriots uh, I, I think would love to not run into Dallas again, like they did last <laughs> year. But that is the way things are. Um, mm -hmm. But in the meantime, obviously, big game coming up to start the season against Southwestern, who certainly was improved last year as well, um, et cetera, et cetera. As always, here on this show, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, I just wanted to first start off by thanking you for including us on your show. Um, it's an honor to be included. And then I wanted to say that um, as coaches, you know, it's our job to push our players to, you know, succeed. And um, sometimes we push a little bit too hard and can be critical just to try to get our point across. And um, I feel like with my team so far, I've been teaching a new system. And so um, I've been very detail-oriented. But I just want to sing their praises right now because they have, become, they have been extremely coachable and they picked up the system. They're working really, really hard, and I really can't ask for more. So I'm just really excited about going on this journey with them. Very good. Well, Coach, congratulations, like I said. Certainly looking forward to seeing how, where the team can go this season. Uh, welcome back to Division Three. Certainly glad to see you back and looking forward to seeing what you guys do this campaign. Thank you so much. Take care. Kendra Hassel joining us from Texas. Tyler, again, the team was 27-3 and last year, losing the second round to Texas-Dallas, their ASC counterpart. Uh, they will start the season. They have not started yet, if you missed that. They start the season on the 20th against Southwestern, then a game against Shriner on the 21st to get their campaign underway. When we come back, we'll talk Great Lakes basketball. With uh, the, this, is, this is the Week in Great Lakes basketball podcast. Ryan uh, Winable will join us to talk about the men's side of things there. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this.
College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division III schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Sunday evening. Hope you are enjoying our first Sunday show of the season, something we don't normally say until January, but this year, as we have noted throughout the show, and so far uh, throughout the season, our two shows, uh, we have added the Sunday show to the season. Granted, we're fighting a little football today. No big deal. Also, announcements on the future shows coming up in the next block. Our final block, we'll talk about what shows will be on the air. For example, next Sunday, probably not going to be on the air after the Hoopsville Classic, but we'll talk about that in the next block. If you want to interact with us, social media is your good way of doing that. You can join us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, talk a lot about regions. And as we get further into the season here, we will get into our normal mode, as it were. We're on, on Sundays. We traditionally talk about the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, um, and the Central, I believe, if memory serves. On Thursdays, we will tend to talk Great Lakes, uh, East Region, uh, Mid-Atlantic and West with a little bit of South thrown in there because of the, a lot of teams in the South tend to be traveling on Sunday, so we'll throw in a South team on a Thursday. Uh, you know, our School of the Week will reemerge on Thursdays. We'll have our coaches, corner, etc. on Sundays. But right now we're just kind of getting the season going and talking about different storylines in general, and so we're not necessarily in that order, and that's why it may not make sense to some longtime viewers. We're going to talk some Great Lakes now. And instead of bringing in a team, obviously we talked Thomas Moore women's basketball last uh, show. We're going to talk specifically um, about um, 
about the the Great Lakes region from the men's point of view today, if if that's okay with you guys. Um, just kind of helps us get off the ground, as it were. I think I think the Great Lakes region is going to be one of those that's certainly going to be interesting to watch this season. Um, I think it's going to keep us a little bit on our toes. I think we're going to find some dark horses in there. And so we're going to have a few regional reporters coming out of the Great Lakes, just like the Northeast and some others. And joining us tonight uh, is a, a gentleman I got to the pleasure of, of joining on his show last week. It is Ryan Whitnabel. Uh, he has his own podcast. He's a Great Lakes regional reporter for us, and, and we're going to talk men's basketball with Ryan. Ryan, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad you could join us. And um, I, I know I'm stealing the opportunity that you're taking the Sunday off after six straight weeks, so uh, I'm taking advantage of the opportunity, as it were. Uh, first and foremost, we'll talk about your show in just a little bit, but uh, season's off and underway, and um, we've already had our first maybe surprise in the sense that Mount Union played William Patterson. I said on your show I thought that was a good test for Mount Union. The Purple Raiders did not see William Patterson winning by 22, though. No. Yeah, uh, you know, talking to Mount Union, uh, I t- talked to Coach Dewline a few weeks ago. Uh, I know they've got some injury problems uh, up there in Alliance. Um, taking a quick peek at the box score, uh, probably one of their better players coming back to Allen Jackson uh, did not play yesterday. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's one of those teams, Mount Union, I, I expect them maybe with their schedule to, to maybe struggle a little bit early, uh, some, some injuries to, to get through. But, but Mount Union could be one of those dangerous teams uh, that we're talking about into January and February as they start to put the wheels back on, on the bus and uh, start driving towards the tournament. Mount Union last year, as many, many remember, were 24-7, to 15-3 uh, and three in the OAC, again losing uh, to taking on Potsdam State today. Uh, as you and I are talking, this is a pre-recorded segment for the show tonight. We don't know the outcome over Potsdam State, but we'll certainly update that by the end of the show. Um, so, Ryan, actually, just going to stay in the NAC, the NCAC, or the OAC, I should say, the OAC uh, as a result. But, again, this is an OAC that's certainly probably on the top side pretty darn strong. Mount Union is certainly uh, favored to have a really good season with Coach Fuline. Marietta loses some talent but certainly brings back a whole wealth of talent from a 28 and 14 that uh went pretty far in the NCAA tournament last year. John Carroll is always in the conversation. Um how do you see this this conference breaking down? What are you hearing about the OAC this year? Yeah, well, like we just talked about with Mountain Union, uh, I, I picked them number one in the conference. Uh, the coaches agreed. Uh, again, we talked about the injuries. Uh, I think this is a team that may come on late uh, rather than and then come out of the starting blocks really well. Uh, something we disagreed about uh, last week. I've got John Carroll number two in this conference. Uh, they played really well. We're, we're you know neck and neck with with Marietta and Mountain Union last year. They only graduated two seniors. They bring back a great core. A uh, little bit of a lackluster non-conference schedule for John Carroll this year, uh, but I think they're going to be in the mix uh, in the OAC all year long. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all to see Mike Moran and his uh, Blue Streaks win uh, the OAC this year. Uh, talking about Marietta a little bit, uh, I think Marietta lost the most of the top three in the OAC. Uh, got the chance to watch them on Friday night. They took on Westminster. Uh, you know, just looking at the scoreline, Marietta uh, won by 18 points, uh, but they looked a little bit sloppy in my mind. Uh, the defense uh, was a little bit off from a year ago. I know John Vanderwall wouldn't be happy about giving up 82 points uh, to anyone. Uh, we'll get to know a lot about Marietta, though. Uh, they've got a tournament at home this upcoming weekend. If both teams can get through their Friday night 
uh, games, you know, we could see a big test for Marietta against a, a really good Catholic squad on Saturday night. Um, again, a good starting five for Marietta, starting, starting five for Marietta uh, but some young guys are going to have to step up off the bench uh, if Marietta is going to repeat uh, that Elite Eight performance from last year. And then, you know, you look at the rest of the conference, there's a lot of parity in the OEC. Uh, Wilmington uh, is my number four team to replace BW, who, who lost a lot of their talent, uh, lost their coach as well. Uh, Capital, of course, uh, you know, the situation with Coach Goodwin down there uh, stepping away this year to, to battle uh, a very treatable form of cancer. Uh, I think Capital has a good young group coming in. Uh, Otterbein, Otterbein had a real tough year last year, uh, but last night went blow for blow with, with Owu, Ohio Wesleyan, uh, and looked really good doing it with their new coach. Um, should be an interesting year in the conference, but I think over the course of 16 conference games, uh, it's going to be Marietta, Mount Union, and John Carroll in some order. Yeah, I, I, you and I on your show, I said, I, you know, John Carroll seems to always be in the conversation, but never lives up to the expectations. And I just don't know if John Carroll is going to live up to the expectations. I think Marietta finished second. And I said to you on your show, I thought Capital would be the surprise here. I think they rally around their coach despite him not being there. I think they've got some good talent. They did get a first-place vote in the coaches' group in the OAC, and I was kind of told that that wasn't just a throwaway vote. Someone seriously considered them uh, number one. I don't know if I go that far, but I think they're definitely the team uh, to watch out for in the OAC. Um, of course, the other conference, it, you know, there's a couple conferences in the Great Lakes that get a, attention, and the MIAA certainly one of yeah. those big ones. Um, you know, last year it was uh, Calvin's to win. Hope was in the mix, rallying late. And, you know, late in the year they kind of came on after having a bit of a tough stretch. I think they lost three out of four on two separate occasions. Uh, Trine was in the mix, finished tied with Hope in second place, and of course you got the rest of the way there. Uh, Hope brings back everybody. They're certainly yeah. going to be dangerous, and trying is no one to look over right now. Agreed. Uh, this is a conference that I really split. If you look at last year, you really can split into two halves. Uh, you know, all that fourth was was nine and five in the conference, and then you drop back to Adrian at six and eight, uh, three games behind. I think it's going to be in that same order of the top half again. Uh, I think Hope, obviously, as you said, has to be the favorite here. They bring back everyone. Calvin, of course, graduated Great Lakes Player of the Year, Jordan Brink. Um, you know, a lot of new faces at Calvin. They recruit very well. I wouldn't expect them to fall too far. Uh, but, again, Hope the favorite. Uh, trying, as we said, was tied for second in the conference last year. They bring back a great core. They'll be looking to uh, move up into that top slot as well. And then, of course, Alma. Uh, finished fourth in the conference last year, nine and five, but four, or, I'm sorry, three of those wins uh, were against the top three, uh, Hope, Calvin, and uh, Trine. Uh, Alma beat all three of them. So they'll be in the mix as well. And if there's one team in the bottom half that I think could move up into that top half of that conference, you have to look at Adrian. I believe they have several good transfers coming in this year. They're off to a 2 0 start. Um, not sure about the competition they've played, but Adrian's kind of a team that's kind of on the outside that I'm watching. Albion's always tough, and then you've got Kalamazoo and all of that lurking. Uh, MI, you know, it's a great conference. Uh, again, though, hopes to lose, and, and I think Greg Mitchell's got that squad ready for a big year. Yeah, Greg Mitchell in his second year at Hope, and you're right. I think they're set for a good year. What I'm looking forward to, Hope, Calvin, men and women don't tend to play doubleheaders together. Just the way the conference is set up, obviously there's an extra school on the women's side in the MIAA. Uh, this year, final game, regular season, doubleheader. I think it's at Calvin. 
both Hope and Calvin men's and women's teams. That'll be a great doubleheader. I'd love to get to it, but my schedule is starting to look a little difficult for that mm-hmm. Saturday. We'll see what happens. Let's shift over to the uh, NCAC North Coast Athletic Conference. This is the other one, certainly, to watch this season. Ohio Wesleyan winning the conference last year by two games over Worcester. Yeah. Wabash was in the mix. DePaul certainly was there. Uh, all of them had 18-plus uh, game uh, seasons. The rest of the conference fell off. Wittenberg certainly had a horrible start to last season, but kind of yeah. came on in the last oh uh, last third to half the season uh, and had a respectable ten for sixteen ten and sixteen finish to the year. Um, I think I, I told you on your show. I thought Ohio Wesleyan peaked last year a little early. Not mm-hmm. to say they're not going to be good this year. I think they just showed their cards. But I mean, come yeah. on. When you look at the All American list, three three members of the Great Lakes are are on there, and two of them come from Ohio Wesleyan. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, Ohio Wesleyan last year, 16-2, and two, they were picked fourth in that preseason poll last year. Kind of came out of nowhere and surprised some people. I don't think they're going to surprise anyone this no. year. Um, Mike DeWitt's got a great squad, as you said, two preseason All-Americans, Claude Gray, uh, Nate Axelrod. Uh, they've got a great team uh, coming back this year. A lot of their big big guys are, are obviously coming back. They're the favorite to win the, uh, the North Coast Conference. And, of course, you can't have any uh, – a conversation about this conference without talking about Worcester. Mm-hmm. Uh, Worcester loses some guys, uh, but you can always expect, I mean, you have to expect Worcester's going to have a 21 season. They, they always do. Uh, Steve Moore's the, one of the great pro- programs in Division Three basketball down there. I think they're going to be right in the mix as well. Uh, you know, this, this conference is loaded from top to bottom. I think this is the toughest top-to-bottom conference in the Great Lakes region. Uh, you know, there's the gauntlet of Wabash and DePaul. Uh, Allegheny, as you said, Wittenberg, I think they're going to be looking to be much better this year. Denison, and, you know, even Hiram, uh, Hiram finishing ninth out of 10 teams last year, they still had 11 wins overall. There's no easy games in this conference. Um, the fact that Ohio Wesleyan did it with only two losses last year is, is amazing. Uh, I think we'll see a similar record from them this year. Uh, Worcester, obviously, in the mix. Uh, I've got the Paul, I believe, was third, and then I think Wittenberg and Wabash coming to round out the top five in that conference. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's Owu and, and Mike DeWitt squad. Yeah, Hiram and Kenyon last year still finished with five wins in conference each. So the mm-hmm. bottom is is not as great as the top, but it's certainly not easy. Um, I've said uh, this on your show, and, I, and I've kind of said it on my Top 25 blog in case no one's caught it. I, I'm waiting for Worcester to finally live up to expectations. And I don't mean to be critical, but... You know they're one of the winningest programs in Division Three, and certainly this century. But we've yet to see Worcester live up. I mean, what we've seen them get to the Final Four, I think once, and it was on a year I don't think anybody expected them. But other mm-hmm. years, when they bring in a ton of talent, they always win twenty games. They always seem to have things come through their neck of the woods. They don't get very far, and you know they've lost to some interesting teams in the NCAA tournament the last few years at their yeah. place, not on the road. We're talking about home losses. Um, I'm waiting for Worcester to finally make their presence known. I almost feel like they just expect to win, and they don't rise up to the occasion. So I'm I'm almost expecting Worcester not to live up to expectations. But you're right. I think this is Ohio Wesleyan's. To, I agree. And to walk away with. Agreed. And a quick note on Worcester: I, they did go out on the road for the first and second round last year. That's true. It was the second round. True. Uh, lost to Marietta. Thank you. Thank you for that. I remember that now because Marietta had such a strong uh, uh, in-region record and, 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 yeah. and whatnot that the conversation was that Worcester had kind of hurt themselves um, to not host those games. So you're right. But granted, they ran into a tough Marietta. I'm not taking last year with Worcester as, as a knock on them. I'm looking at a long-term effect here. We've gotten them to the Final Four, certainly, I agree. But it seems every single year, everyone just thinks Worcester is one of the best teams in the country. 
And I had a serious thought about not putting him in my top 25 this year because I'm just not sure they're living up to that hype. I think they're 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 more name, kind of like you know teams that are always in your top 25s in other sports because of name more than than what they're pulling off. But, hey, I'd be happy to see them prove me wrong. Um, yeah. Let's switch over to the HCAC. This one's going to be an interesting conference this year. Granted, last year was the first year they were in the Great Lakes region, uh, the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference on the men's side. They've been on the women's side for a long time, and this is when yeah. they aligned the, uh, the regions to be the same. Defiance last year tied for the top with Mount St. Joe. Uh, Mount St. Joe probably didn't get a lot of attention last year because of the Lauren Hill story on the women's mm-hmm. side. The men kind of were forgotten 19-7. and seven. Defiance at 22-7 and seven last year loses a bit um, of that team, will probably come back a little bit to earth, uh, whereas on the other side, Mount St. Joe's kind of right there in the mix. Uh, and this is a conference that's got a lot of a lot of wild cards right in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Defiance getting all the attention last year. Uh, of course, they had the big upset of Whitewater in the first round yep. of the NCAA tournament. Uh, but, yeah, Mount St. Joe's quietly had a really good year this year or last year. Uh, they bring back a great, great core for Toby, uh, Toby Kerrigan and his squad. Uh, Mount St. Joe's is my favorite. And I, again, you, you mentioned Defiance loses some talent. They also are replacing a coach. Yep. Uh, they bring in a new coach this year. Uh, I, I expect Defiance to fall a couple of slots. You know, so you ask the question, you know, who replaces them? It's really an open game uh, in the heartland outside of Mount St. Joe's as a favorite. Uh, Rose Holman could be a real good squad. I think they could jump up. Uh, and another one I'm, I'm watching is Bluffton. Uh, Bluffton brings back uh, Thane Wrecker, uh, one of your preseason All-Americans. In the Great Lakes region, I think Bluffton could, could make a move into the top four, maybe top three. Uh, and then, of course, in, you know, right in the middle of the pack, you've always got Hanover. Hanover had a disappointing year uh, last year, yeah. I would argue. Yeah. Uh, preseason favorites to win that conference last year. They finished middle of the pack. Uh, Transylvania is always uh, an interesting squad. You never know what you're going to get from them. And then it's a bit of a fall-off. Uh, back to Franklin, Manchester, and Earlham. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the top five spots, Mount St. Joe's is the favorite. I don't think they're a slam dunk favorite. Um, but any, you know, those top five spots could, could go in any order. You could arrange that in, in any way, and I don't think any of those would, scenarios would surprise me. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I mean, Mount St. Joe on top would be a great story for that program and that school. Rose Holman, you never know. Of course, also just lost their former coach, Jim Shaw, who is still part of the program in many ways, still went to games. You want to see how they rally behind that a little bit. Those players certainly remember Jim well. Transylvania, my my buddy Brian Lane, I'm waiting for him to break out again. You know, you're kind of waiting for them to relive the the um, the success of not that long ago. And Hanover, you're right, kind of a disappointing year last year. You know, they love to break the mold there. HCAC yep. could be a wide open tournament or a season this year, fun to watch. Over on the yep. PAC, this one's uh, been St. Vincent, kind of in the driver's seat for a number of years. Finished two games up on Waynesburg last year, but there were five games up on them in the overall record. Um, is 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 anybody, you know, Waynesburg, Thomas Moore, Bethany, Thiel, anybody else in this conference even going to be able to compete with St. Vincent? You know, I hate before we even play a game to, to say no, uh, but, but St. Vincent I think is easily the biggest slam dunk favorite of any of the conferences in the Great Lakes region, much yeah. like Thomas Moore is on the women's side. Uh, D.P. Brown Interesting scheduling philosophy that they've gone with this year. Um, as, as we can figure, the pack is probably going to be a one-bid conference, as it usually is. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think he knew he was going to have a good squad this year, uh, bringing back almost everyone off the conference tournament championship team last year. They've gone out and scheduled really, really tough at a conference. Uh, they got Randolph-Macon, uh, Marietta, 
the Catholic, a great squad, that's on the road. And then they go out to Las Vegas to play in your guys' D3 Hoops tournament. You'll see Mary Hart and Baylor, Ramapo, and Calvin as well. I like the philosophy taken here. You know, if things go wrong here in the non-conference, they pick up, you know, four or five losses. I would much rather a team, you know, you can always go and win your conference tournament championship. There's always an automatic bid out there to get to the tournament. I'd rather a team come in with 18, 19 wins. It's really been through the grinder you know, than a team that's, that's got two, three losses uh, coming in having played nobody. I think they'll be ready for the tournament a lot more uh, you know, than somebody that's untested. Uh, outside of St. Vincent, you know, I think um, Thomas Moore could be up there that could give a challenge. Of course, Bethany uh, is always a challenger in the pack. Um, but again, uh, St. Vincent... They should, they should run away at this conference. Will they pick up a loss or two? Probably. Uh, but over the course of, the, of a conference season, I don't see anyone sticking with them. And then let's switch over to the Allegheny Mountain Collegiate Conference, the AMCC, Penn's, uh, another conference that moved uh, ahead of the, um, the realignment. Uh, Penn State Barron, the class of this group at 17-1 last year, 23-4 and uh, on the season. Um, they have not played as of yet this season. Uh, Madai, though, and Hilbert made their presence known last year. Hilbert won 21 games, finished 13 and 5 in the conference. Madai was 19 and 8 and 14 and 4. Then you got Pete, Pitt, Greensburg, and Bradford, Deuville, uh, Manoliosis, Franciscan, Altoona, and LaRoche that just kind of in there in the conference. It's very similar to the PAC, where it's it's probably going to be Barons, Deleuze. But at the same time, Madai and Hilbert have made it at least a little bit more interesting on top. We disagree. Uh, the coaches had Penn State Barron as, as number one uh, in the preseason polls. I actually had them in the bottom half of the conference. Uh, Penn State Barron graduated almost everyone off of last year's 17-1 and one team. Yeah. They had their top junior not come back to the team as well. Uh, speaking with Coach Nyland, I, he, he thinks they may be starting three freshmen huh. uh, this year up in Erie. Uh, I think they're going to fall back quite a bit, uh, at least in the middle of the pack. Hilbert's my team. Uh, my pick here in the, in the Allegheny Mountain, uh, as you said, 13-5 and five in the conference last year, 21-7 overall. They bring back a lot of talent. Uh, I got them at the top of, uh, of the conference. Pick Greensburg right behind them. Also brings back a good core. I think they'll make a jump into the top three, maybe top two of that conference. And, of course, Madai, uh, Mike Blaine will want to show that that conference tournament title last year wasn't a one-year thing. They lost their top score as well. Uh, this is, you know, we talk about the Heartland Conference being wide open. This, to me, is the most wide open of the Great Lakes Conferences. I can see any of, of four or five teams winning this conference, and it wouldn't surprise me. It should be an interesting year. And, of course, you got uh, D'Uville and Malocious, Franciscan, uh, Penn State, Altoona, and LaRoche. Uh, LaRoche had a pretty pretty bad year last year, 1-24 overall. They'll be looking to get back into the mix in that conference as well. But, uh, you know, we talk about when I was putting together my preseason polls, this was the most difficult for me to put together, and sometimes you just got to take a swing at it and go with it. And, uh, you know, it should be a wild year in the Allegheny Mountain, and I'm not sure how they're going to come out. Uh, talking to Ryan Whitnable, uh, Great Lakes region reporter here, also host of This Week in Great Lakes Basketball. We'll talk about that in a moment, but quickly, got a few top 25 ranked teams, and we won't have a new poll for another week. Uh, but Mountain Union was sitting seventh. Obviously, has already suffered a loss uh, this, this uh, opening weekend. Uh, Ohio Wesleyan, 13th, skipped over Babson, or Marietta, I should say, by accident at number 11. Hope sitting at 16. Worcester sitting at 20. Certainly well represented in the Great Lakes. But this region's always known for getting a dark horse. Ohio Wesleyan certainly was part of that equation last year. Trine was part of that equation. 
Um, you always get a dark horse that's going to pop up. Is there anybody who's just kind of lurking that you're like, you know, watch out for them later? Yeah, I think we have to go to the NIAAA. Uh, Shrine could be one of those teams that kind of surprises where we're, you know, we're getting to January and February. Don't be surprised if they're neck and neck with Hope and, and we're talking about, uh, you know, an MIAA conference championship game between between those two. Uh, and the uh, OAC, you know, we may see somebody come out of that outside of that top three. Um, I'm watching Wilmington. Uh, you mentioned Capital. I think Capital is a team to watch as well this year. Uh, outside of those two, uh, I think it's going to be the usual players in the Great Lakes. You know, Ohio Wesleyan, uh, Mountain Union, Marietta's kind of established themselves, Worcester. Uh, but outside of those two, uh, again, trying capital, uh, maybe a, a Wilmington are my dark horses in the in the region. Very good, Ryan. We talk about the fact you have a podcast that covers Great Lakes basketball. Tell everybody a little bit about it. What, what where, how long you've been doing it, et cetera? Yeah, I have a, this is the second year of the podcast. Uh, started last year with, with just following the Ohio Athletic Conference. I'm a graduate of, of Marietta College, and kind of. He did a week-by-week analysis and commentary on the conference, and this year kind of wanted to expand the footprint into the Great Lakes region. Uh, you know, we have a once-a-week show. Usually it's on Sunday nights, obviously, uh, with all the conference previews and everything. I wanted to take this weekend off and, and sort of let some games play out. Uh, but, you know, weekly weekly commentary on the region. I like to have a coach on every week. Uh, last week we had yourself on the show for some analysis. A couple weeks before that we had an NCAA referee on the show. Uh, talking about some of the new rules changes. Um, every Sunday night, we like to talk, uh, talk Great Lakes basketball, uh, hoping down the line we get some student athletes involved on the show as well. And, and obviously, as we get towards January and February, we'll be talking regional rankings and, and pool C bids and all of that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, you can find it at uh, greatlakesbasketball.podbean.com. Uh, or, you know, if you want to talk Great Lakes basketball, Twitter handle is uh, OACBball Show. Uh, but something we're hoping to grow, and, I, and, and I have something I have fun with, and, and uh, it's something that, that, that hopefully will uh, be useful to listeners just as, as your show is, is on a national level. I was just going to say, don't grow too too national on me, okay? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> just... I have no, no ambition to have a national show at this point in time. Uh, <laughs> it's enough work as it is with, with just a region. Hey, I wasn't thinking when I did it, so don't worry about it. Um, hey, more coverage of Division Three student-athletes is always a good thing and something I certainly endorse. So, hey, Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I always give guests a final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those watching? Yeah, you know, we talk about the, the national level. Hockey is number one to start the year, but I think it's another wide-open year in Division Three basketball on the men's side. I think that's what makes Division Three so fun. Uh, I implore people to go out, support your local Division Three college, uh, support the athletes. Uh, the thing I love about it the most is, is the true student-athlete aspect of the game. Uh, it's great fans, great athletes, and great basketball, and uh, hopefully it's a great year of basketball. Absolutely. Well said, Ryan. Thank you so much. I know we'll catch up with you later in the season, and uh, enjoy the start. Thanks, Dave. Ryan Whitnable joining us on the show. Appreciate him taking the time. Check out his podcast. Certainly fun to hear from another voice, uh, as it were. Certainly someone who's a little bit more in, uh, in you know, ingrained into that region. Certainly to to get what's going on. So Ryan, thank you for coming on. Got uh got to wrap up the show here. Got a few more bits and pieces to cover and a little bit of news. Uh, make sure you uh, stay with us for the final break here. You're watching Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoops Hope. Right after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus and to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. And welcome back to the Sunday edition of Hoopsville. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you got any questions for us as we wrap things up, tweet us. At D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, we talk about all the craziness going on. Franklin and Marshall nearly losing today to Oyana State, uh, needing overtime to win. Uh, North uh, Nebraska Wesleyan. If you missed this, the news in the offseason, Nebraska Wesleyan is going all in in Division Three. They're going to... Sp- do away with their split with the NAIA. They're going to join the Iowa Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, the IAC, next year. Got a little taste of their conference today against, excuse me, Buena Vista. Beat Buena Vista. By the way, we shouldn't be too surprised. Nebraska Wesleyan isn't that bad a squad. Um, they've made it to Salem, folks. You know, won national championships. Uh, but they beat Buena Vista today, so congratulations to them. 109-104. I don't remember either team designed to be a high, potent offense. At least Brian Van Haften didn't tell us that was his squad last last week when we had him on the show Thursday. But lo and behold, Buena Vista sitting there um, with a loss to Nebraska Wesleyan today, 109-104. Emory's at halftime against Birmingham Southern as we speak, though I'm going to double-check that. Uh, real quick as we're speaking. Uh, yeah, they've got that one in control right now. So it looks like Emory will get a, get a win there. And we talked about Wesley beating Virginia Wesley. We'll not talk to Ryan Scott tonight. We are going to get Ryan Scott on the show Thursday. Ryan's going to be uh, at the Hoopsville Classic along with me and several others from D3 Sports coming up at the Stevenson, at Stevenson University this coming uh, week. Games are Friday and Saturday. We will preview it on Thursday. Uh, we'll also talk to Gary Stewart, as we always do, um on that show gary um obviously the head coach at stevenson he and i help or do a lot of the work put that 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 um tournament together so we will have gary on the show talk about the upcoming hoopsville classic uh we'll have ryan scott on the air to talk about this north carolina west uh this uh wesley wesley feeding virginia wesleyan game and a little bit more about the mid-atlantic that he will be writing for this season. 
We'll also talk to Women's Basketball Committee Chair from Wisconsin Whitewater, Carrie Carollo, will join us on the show. We'll get her take on being committee chair this year and what to expect on the women's side. I'll tell you now, slight differences in interpretation on some of the stuff that they work with. I won't give too much away, but that .03 to two games that the men certainly, I don't want to say they've bought into it, but have certainly felt there's strong indications to, to, to use it in a good way. And again, .03 to two games doesn't mean .06 to four games and .09 to six games. It's not a straight line necessarily, but when it's close like that, Women have a different point of view. We'll get that from Carrie when we talk to her next week. We'll actually be talking to her ahead of Thursday. So if you have questions for our committee chair, uh, get them to us ahead of time. You can do it via Twitter at D3Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. You can do it via email, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or you can do it via Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, I'm trying to think of there were some other games uh, to mention, um, on the women's side, Catholic women lost the other day. I wanted to make sure. I, I knew I was going to forget that one if I didn't mention it. By the way, George Fox women had a close one with Cal Lou uh, on opening night. Um, so, you know, it's it's been a little bit of an, uh, an odd start to the season. Uh, I think we had some games that people just didn't expect. Or teams are coming out a little bit sluggish. I'm not really sure the, the the exact reasons for it all. And I certainly can't go through all these. But, for example, Ursinus beat Stevens. You're probably going, well, that's a random game to pick, Dave. But, listen, Stevens has been in the mix um, in some way, shape, or form for a while uh, in the Empire 8. Granted, last year they were 12-13-8-8 and 13 and eight and eight in the conference. But the year before they were 18-10, and 10-4. Year before that, 22 and 6, 11 and 3, 19 and 5, 10 and 3. I'm going backwards. Last time they were at 500 was 2009. They've only been that close to 500 twice since 2007. So Stevens has usually had a pretty good squad, but they dropped their opening game to Ursinus 83-80. Ursinus showed some signs at the end of last season of maybe finally coming back to the heyday that they've had. Now, granted, that's a long walk right now, but the Centennial Conference is an interesting one to watch this season. We'll talk more about it with Ryan on Thursday, but, you know, is Dickinson's loss to Cabrini, does that mean Dickinson isn't as good as we thought? Hopkins lost some really good talent, but there's a lot of people who think they could be right back in the mix at the top. F&M needed overtime to get past Oriana State. What does that mean for F&M? Remember now, F&M surprised everybody and went on a tear to start the season 12-0 and last season. That was definitely premature for what they have for talent. But, you know, there's a lot of that you got to figure out. Could Ursinus actually be in the mix in the Centennial this year? A game like that against Stevens certainly makes you take pause. But again, we've had a bunch of crazy games to start this season. I don't know. I, I, I can't read into it. You know, every once in a while we get some crazy starts. But there's been a lot of, huh, games to start this season. I mean, come on. William Patterson thumped Mount Union. Didn't see that. I, I I mean, I knew Mount Union was good, and I knew William Patterson was good. They're both in my top 25 and somewhat close to each other. But 22 points? By the way, Ursinus came back and lost to Scranton. 71-62, but there's some who's, who saw that and went, eh, Scranton's not that good. I don't know. 
I don't think Scranton's going to be as good as last year. I think some people, for some reason, think they will be. I, I don't see Scranton being as good as last year. They've got a good inside presence, but I have yet to see Scranton be able to use that inside presence to their advantage. They got past her sinus by nine, and, and from what I heard, it wasn't pretty. They'll have a good test coming up. Scranton's got Ithaca coming up, and then Hobart. We'll see what happens. That's on the men's side. So crazy, you know, not craziness, but definitely some interesting results to start this season. And it's going to be something we're going to be talking about in February. We're going to have games when it comes February. We're going to be like, oh, you remember that in November? Could that could that haunt them? By the way, that Mount Union William Patterson game, we will be talking about it in February. You know why? Because it's going to be two regionally ranked opponents who have results against regionally ranked opponents. That's going to come back. That could do a ton of good for William Patterson. I don't think it'll hurt Mountain Union as much. They're going to have a bunch of regionally ranked opponents. But in the past, the Atlantic has suffered with their teams not having a lot of regionally ranked opponents on their resumes. And you heard that in the Brooklyn conversation about the CUNYAC. So that William Patterson win over Mount Union is going to come back and be really good for the Pioneers when we're talking about them in February and, of course, in March. That's going to do it for us tonight. Again, a reminder, on Thursday, we'll have the Women's uh, Committee Chair, Carrie Carollo from Wisconsin-Whitewater, on the show. We'll talk to her about the, being a committee chair, what the committee is expecting from their regional committees this year and what they expect overall. And, again, that a little bit of a different interpretation than what the men have on some of the same criteria. Also talk to her about her team in the conference, certainly, and what she expects. Talk to Gary Stewart from Stevenson, previewing the Hoopsville National Invitational Classic, the fourth annual. Talk to him about that. Talk to him about the team's start to the season, which now includes a loss to York. They will play Goucher on Tuesday. We'll also hear from Ryan Scott on Thursday as well, a little bit of a look at the Mid-Atlantic and a little bit more in-depth. Plus some other announcements. We'll get some other guests lined up as well. May jump down to the ODAC, talk women's basketball there for the first time. But all in my head, got to send out the invites and see who's available. If you have any questions for us or like to interact with us, don't forget on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can always email us, Hoopsville, at D3Hoops.com. I want to thank our guests on tonight's show. Brooklyn's Rick uh, McAuliffe joining us. UT Tyler women's basketball coach Hanson joining us. Kendra Hanson, we appreciate her taking the time. Also, Matt Logie from number three, Whitworth. Watch out for the Pirates this season. They could be fun to watch. Um, I'm not sure what to expect. I'm looking forward to seeing them in Vegas. Also, I want to thank Ted Reverso from, uh, Reverso from uh, Augsburg. I want to thank him for coming up. For some reason, called him Joe twice today. Once on Twitter and once on the website. Had to change it to Ted. I'm not sure where Joe came from. But I want to thank him for coming on the air. Nice to have him. And I want to thank Ryan Whitnable as well for joining me talking Great Lakes basketball. Thank you for tuning in. Our Sunday shows in the month of November and December. And we will make an announcement. Don't have a decision by the end of the show. Don't have a decision whether we'll be on the air Sunday or we'll be on the air Thanksgiving Sunday. I'll promise you this. We're not going to be on both Sundays. We'll pick one of them. 
So we'll have one more Sunday show between now and the end of November, and then we'll be on the air for four Sundays, I believe. Um, is that how the calendar works? So four, I think it's four of the next five Sundays we'll be on the air. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So for the next five Sundays, we will be on the air, whether it's this Sunday right after the Hoopsville Classic or the following Sunday right after Thanksgiving. One of those two will be on the air, and then we'll be on the air the 6th, 13th, and 20th of December as well. As far as Thursday shows, we'll be on the air next week. We will obviously not be on the air Thanksgiving week. We'll then be on the air the 3rd and the 10th for the Thursday shows. We will not be on the air the 17th. We'll be tied up with football responsibilities, and obviously we will not be on the air on Christmas Eve. Going to be booking our travel shortly for the Vegas tournament as well, and obviously a lot of responsibilities there. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you for tuning in. Certainly appreciate your uh, enjoying the show with us. And we'll look forward to seeing you back here Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Don't forget, you can watch the show on demand on YouTube or listen to it on a podcast on SoundCloud, which apparently can also be found on iTunes. Though I'll freely admit I can't find it myself. It just pops up on my my iTunes feed. I will do more research to try and figure out where the heck that has gone to. But in the meantime, we hope you're enjoying the show nonetheless. And let us know when you are. Got a very nice tweet uh, earlier today, or actually it was yesterday, from somebody who was watching the show, certainly meant a lot to us. Um, I'm looking for it. I apologize. I had it here, and then my, my Twitter reset on me. Oh, I'm looking in the wrong column. That would be helpful if I was looking in the correct column. Um, here it is. Mike Reed says, Dave McHugh is brilliant. Well, jury's out on that, folks. I have a law degree, and this new rules stuff uh, dialogue is actually interesting enjoyable. Great job. Listen, I only say that because don't forget, we did do the show on the rule changes. Very in-depth conversations with members of the Rules Committee and an athletics director about all the rule changes. Please check it out when you get an opportunity. It's certainly worth the watch. And certainly make maybe allow you to understand the rules better this season and maybe understand how those rules come together as well. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, National Association of Basketball Coaches. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here on Thursday. Good night, everybody.